It's This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, King Who and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. So, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to This Week in Sleaze. It's episode 8 on Raped by an Angel, and this is Sleazy K. And with me is, and I'm going to intro him in a death metal way just because i want to mix things up so with me is the lord joshua Regal. <laughs> hello sir <laughs> that's better than batman man you know um, but, but but i can't maintain it i can feel my throat is like all, all, already like completely dry. <laughs> my parents are dead <laughs> hello are you sticking Howdy with y'all. Lord Joshua Regal, man? Uh, yes, that's it. Let's do it. You've already had a, a um, an illustration made uh, out of that, based yes. on that, if you got my email the other day. Actually, I don't believe I did. Okay, well, uh, I'll, you, you'll be sent a... David Lamb has done uh, uh, illustrations for us before, Holy just man. because he wanted. He made one based on the fact that you know King Who might be coming back, so mm-hmm. we have a trio, and therefore he suggested uh, via an audio message as well as an illustration that we should be called the Rapers Union. <laughs> and he depicted you as a... As a... You know, a wrestler with a kind of minimal clothing, a bag over your head. Uh, muscular, though, you know. Oh, and like uh, me with, uh, you know, a mohawk and uh, with a woman over my shoulder, you know, having grabbed her. And uh, King Who on the side with a, uh, what's that uh, headwear that uh, the Jewish community uh, wears? I always forgot the name of that. But he has that, oh, but yeah. essentially a propeller attached to it. This sounds amazing. So you're going to see that illustration. I actually oh, sent yes. you that. He possibly got caught in your spam filter because there's an audio message attached to that as well. So. Oh, yeah, I will look. And the, the, I'm not too sure yet if we're going to call, if we're a trio, if we're going to call us the Rapers Union. As shameless as I am, my kind of politically correct meter went off there. Mm-hmm. Do we really want to go with that? You know, you know, we do watch rape movies. We're going to watch one with rapes in it tonight. But I don't know if, if we can be funny always about, you know, we're the rapists union. <laughs> it's a little bit too much of a ringing endorsement. For you know, rape, Wong Jing, I, I'm glad Wong Jing did it first, though. So maybe it's yeah. because he did Rape by an Angel for the rapists union with, uh, yeah. oh, my God. Uh, we'll, we'll let that simmer, that idea. And I'm looking see... at the photo now. Oh, like, oh, yeah, it was posted oh. on Facebook by uh, King Who. <laughs> Very nice. Do, do you like how you are so Absolutely. represented? That, that's exactly how I dress when it comes to the weekends. Right Inclu- including a bag over your head? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't want people to look through the windows and see it's me. <laughs> so I sit there and I hide it. And, uh, and, and King Who is uh, drooling or being sweaty. <laughs> And, uh, and and the propeller uh, just killed me. Why? The, uh, go ahead. With the ripped shirt, too. The yes. sleeves ripped off completely. <laughs> and the drool and the tight pants. It's, it's brilliant. 
I kind of like uh, how David uh, drew me. Uh, now, now that I have a mohawk, uh, uh, compared to when he drew me last, you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, I, don't, I thought I looked good. I don't mind a woman on my shoulder. Absolutely, you look like an '80s uh, like uh, psychopath biker from like uh, some kind of like Death Wish style movie or something. Oddly correct. <laughs> So who who am I to complain when he? Uh, it's not even a character, uh, you know, like an a, a, a exaggeration. It's me. <laughs> it's perfect. And, and I uh, and, and I think King Who would uh, agree as well. That's me. I'm King Who. <laughs> and, and now you agree as well. So it's 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 fo it's like a photograph. <laughs> this man is a genius. And uh, he did that just because, just because he wanted. That's a true artist in my book. That that that's a kind artist, and that's just a nice. good good man. Anyway, this is This Week in Sleaze, and it's part of the Podcast on Fire Network, the website where this is, along with the five, six other shows, is podcastonfire.com. Contact us via email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You also have a message forum available to you. Well, kind of, because... And kind of not, because we've actually, for the moment, at, at the time of this recording, closed the forum for registration due to two things, really. One being the problem with spam. Uh, I had to delete like 40, 50 threads and uh, users uh, like uh, a week or two ago. But also, in all honesty, the, the discussion has moved on to Facebook, which is not a bad thing. But right. the, the core that is registered on the forum still have access to the members-only archive of uh, cut conversations and exclusive content in general. So enjoy that. There's hours of stuff in there from the past. Uh, but we also post new extra content and exclusive content on the website in the form of bonus episodes. The uh, first boner episode of This Week in Sleaze has yet to be debuted, but I don't know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing into the future when we reach the end of what will actually be a complete Rape by an Angel coverage. We have that odd Rape by an Angel 5, which was shot on video mm -hmm. and unsubtitled. You know, fuck it, let's do a bonus episode on that. Hell yeah. Just to see if you can get some content based on a really low budget movie a second fifth one although i don't think it's necessarily i don't think it's pretending to be part of the series but it's entertainment enough right there two rape by an angel fives and, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and of course king who has that in his uh, library so we don't need to search high and low for that it's just a tap on the shoulder away you know he has everything yeah. so it's all good and i think he's psychic as well because because i think if we tap him on the shoulder he will say i knew you would come Yes, Ray by an Angel 5. Oh my god, that's so amazing! <laughs> I love you, King Who. And I wouldn't find it creepy at all. No. Because uh, we, we, we're kindred spirits in that way, you know. We don't find that stuff creepy. We just find it uh, normal behavior. Oh yeah, you guys are... I know, I know exactly the rape movie you want to watch. Boom. He doesn't even need to turn. He just, uh, you know, <laughs> hands it over his shoulder to us. Like you walk into a dark room and there he is sitting, yes. you know... Indian style on the floor, and he's like, I predicted you would come. And his room is all like uh, Kevin Spacey's uh, apartment in Seven. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> Notebooks and crosses all over the place. This is nice. Uh, uh, but, but, yo, you, you know what? Not crosses, you know, instead of crosses hanging from the ceiling, you know, triangles. Uh, category three, yes, sir. <laughs> triangles hanging from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. That would be sweet. I, I want to live here now. <laughs> Can we move in? Why are you closing the door? <laughs> <laughs> 
Right on. Uh, so we'll do we'll do that probably. Uh, um, uh, you know, maybe not our first boner episode, uh, but uh, we, we'll do that eventually. That will be one. So uh, maybe ten minutes extra, maybe twenty minutes extra. It's still extra stuff, and extra stuff is fun. And um, as we said, we are on Facebook in two ways, mainly our fan page like that, located at facebook.com forward slash POF network, but also the mentioned discussion group uh, that is going on, uh, that you can just search by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box, and that group will pop up. So ask to join, and uh, therefore join the ongoing conversation where you'll find out all what's going on, what we're doing doing um, in the future and show planning and all of that. It's uh, it's uh, shaping up to be good fun. I didn't think groups were, I don't know, a viable thing, but I've never really explored it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people seem to make it kind of part of their daily Facebooking, if you will. Right, yeah. It's really uh, kind of taken over the... Uh you know, whole forum scene in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. I'm actually on very cellular to have my old archaic forum that no one uses anymore. Mm-hmm. And because I'm actually friends with the majority of the people that uh, used to post there on Facebook. So I just sit there and deal with them through that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the feedback hasn't stopped and the discussion hasn't right. stopped. It's just moved and that's not a bad thing, actually. Uh, exactly. I think, uh, I mean, it's all about making it a smooth part of uh, people's daily lives or what have you. And uh, and the uh, Facebook groups nowadays have seem to have taken on that uh, that kind of uh, aspect, uh, that kind of status. That it's a mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's available in your in your little uh, in your little Facebook control panel easily and uh, all of that. So uh, check us out there. We're also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. I do my writing on sogoodreviews.com and my video reviewing on sleazykvideo.com. And I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. And the latest review, main review that is at the time of recording uh, that I put up is a nice old mixture of what I do actually because it's IFD related, therefore kind of Godfrey Ho related, and it's uh, also category free related in a way because the movie I put up is IFD's uh, complete uh, but dubbed edit of the Korean movie Dragon Against Vampire, an Elton Chong movie, but more of a horror movie, exploitation movie, where uh, Eagle Han Ying plays this Shaolin sorcerer who needs uh, pure blood, virgin blood, and the only way to suck the blood out of those particular candidates is through their, say it with me kids, vaginas. <laughs> of course, yes. And it's a pretty... Pretty fun movie, uh, actually, and IFD didn't cut Richard Harrison or Pierre Kirby or Mike Abbott into it. It's uh, it's the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They deemed it suitable, you know, suitable enough, having quality enough to stand on its own. If it's uh, got vagina blood, you don't even need the ninjas. That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's it really good fun and uh, really not a martial arts movie, despite Elton Chong being in it. Uh, Elton usually. Uh, he appeared at IFD quite a bit because they bought a lot of his movies. He was kind of a staple of Korean cinema at the time, making making these uh, usually not super noticeable martial arts movies. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, this one is fun and has a great exploitation type of uh, cover uh, depicting essentially what I what I told is uh, one of the main uh, main components of the movie, mm-hmm. drawn as well. You know, it's uh, it's art. You know, it's it's exploitation art, and I like that. So. Uh, Dragon Against Vampire. It will be on, uh, on on the main page of the site uh, for because I always display a number of reviews, so you'll be able to see that when you listen to this show. Also, 
iTunes for the Podcast on Fire Network. Rate and subscribe to us via iTunes and listen to us on Stitcher. Stream us on Stitcher via the application available on Stitcher.com if you want to download it to your desktop. But also go to your respective app stores and download it to whatever smartphone you have or download it to your iPad, of course, and uh, stream us that way on Stitcher. And type in when you reach, uh, reach that part of Stitcher, Podcast on Fire Network, and you'll be able to add each show individually, including this weekend's lease. And Lord Joshua Regal, of course, has his uh, endeavours. The main endeavour being what? Uh, ooh, you always put me on the spot here. Yes, sir. I choose between Pimp and Varied Celluloid or V-Cinema first. Possible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, varied Celluloid, because it's V-A, V-C, you know, I'm going alphabetically Varied Celluloid. Uh, currently... Just uh, got some reviews lined up. Uh, should be posting. This will probably be ancient news at that point, but uh, at the point that this goes live. But uh, Schoolgirl Report Eight, which is like a German ex- uh, sexploitation movie. Eight. I'll have a review for that uh, uh, pretty soon. I got an idea, Mr. Producer. What? Another one. <laughs> exactly. There's and there's way more. I forget oh, how many um, they have, but they, there's quite a few. And uh, basically, you know, this one. You know, I, I haven't seen the rest of the series. I just had this screener sent to me. But the eighth one basically is it's so it's repetitive as hell. It's basically a bus full of schoolgirls on a trip and like each one is like an insane horn dog. Like they are just <laughs> obsessed with sex and that's uh, the whole movie's just them, you know, oh Ingrid, you and Indian, whatever. And they, they It's in my scheisser It's like they go from, you know, Oh, you know, one girl's pregnant, so of course you're gonna see the sex story, you know, and her having sex with her boyfriend a million times, and then this other girl, oh, I was, you know, sitting there in my father's observatory, and this guy comes in, oh, he's so handsome, you know, and then she's sleeping with him and, like, forcing him to have sex with her, even though he's, like, obsessed with, like, Christina Lindbergh, who he has, like, a poster of in his room, and, yeah, just all kinds of just sex, 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 it's, uh, it's entertaining. (laughs) <laughs> of course it's a masterpiece six 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 how many sex out of five no, one two oh, three four ten. five <laughs> there's so much sex <laughs> do you do, 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 do a rating of it very celluloid yeah yeah it's a, out of a five uh, right rating yeah. system uh it's really, you know, narratively, it's really not very structured. Oh, know. really? <laughs> yeah. It's probably, I forget what I gave a rating of. It's probably going to be about a three or something like that. You know, by the time this comes out, that'll be old news. So it's all good. I mean, and, I uh, mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Like, are these, you know, overall, this series, like a trek to get through? I mean, this is so fucking I'm, boring. <laughs> but there's sex at like the 70 minute mark out of the 80 minute running not, time. So, yeah. No. It's like sex balls to the wall, just like from start to finish, just, you know, each girl. I mean, there's like five or six or so. It's only like 90 minutes probably, but there's like six or seven stories, you know, within it. So it's like, you know, each girl gets maybe 10, 15 minutes, so they got to pack as much sex into those little 10 to 15 minutes as possible. And um, I understand the the story or the series originally was – Maybe supposed to be under that guise of uh, you know ooh, we're telling you something so this is informational, but by 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 the eighth you know part of the series I think they just kind of got rid of that completely and they're just like okay we're giving you titillation you know so so, so there was a moral of the story kind of structure to it though. 
Mm-hmm. Talk- it's like a, almost like a uh, anthology, like a horror movie anthology. Uh. You know how that you'll have three or four stories and like tales from the dark side or whatever, but this is tales from the sleazy side. So it's just sex, sex, sex. <laughs> no, Re- Red shoe diaries. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you just condense like seven episodes of the, the Red Shoe Diaries into uh, one thing, you know, <laughs> of the old show at least. Right on. But it's uh, it's entertaining, you know, and there's plenty of them released by a company called uh, Synapse here mm-hmm. in uh, the Region 1 market. And also I should be covering uh, less sex, but the Walking Tall series. I had the DVD Blu-rays sent to me, so I'm going to be checking those out. Uh, it's been a while since I went through the original series, but as a Southern boy, of course you hear stories about, you know, the original Walking Tall and stuff, so I, I watched that a lot as a kid, so mm-hmm. it'll be fun to go back through it. You got you know, your bow Let me flash so. my naive, uh, naivety here. <laughs> is this at all connected? Is the movie Walking Tall at all connected to this, or is it just a coincidence? Uh, the Rock movie? Oh, yeah, the Rock movie was a remake. Uh, right. It's actually all based on a true story of a guy named Buford Pusser. He was like a Tennessee sheriff, and he went against... Uh, what did they call them? Uh, it's, a, it's like the Dixieland Mafia is mm-hmm. what they called it. Basically, southern uh, you know, criminals, basically kind of like the real mafia, but with a bunch of rednecks. And uh, there's actually like statistics and stuff that say that the Dixieland Mafia killed like double or triple the amount of people that the Italian Mafia did during the 1970s. Because wow. yeah, th- these guys just sat there and you know it was all about. I really, you know, moonshine and drugs and stuff like that. And these guys were just, had no kind of morality to them whatsoever, you know. So he went against these people. And in real life, you know, I'm going to butcher the facts here or whatever. So people at home, if you go check the wiki, you know, it's probably not going to match up to it. But I know he was stabbed, shot. Uh, Eventually his wife and I think daughter were killed. Uh you know, cars were blown up and stuff. They tried to kill this guy because he kept cracking down on them. Hmm. And eventually he was killed. But, well, it's like, I think he was in a car wreck, but there's some, you know, doubt whether or not, you know, his brakes were cut or something like that. But, so, yeah, he, it's, a, it's a very interesting story. And uh, the original uh, film had Joe Don Baker as mm. Buster, And then part two and three had uh, Bo Spenson stepping under the role. And I actually like that uh, the remake with uh, The Rock. That was actually pretty fun, I thought. Yeah, the little... I don't think I ever saw the complete one, not out of disgust or anything, but the, the, mm-hmm. I, I, it might have just been on, and I saw, like, uh, the middle of it. It seems solid enough. And I want to think that they actually made, like, a straight-to-video uh, sequel with, like, Kevin Sorbo as Buford Pusser. I need to check <laughs> that out sometime. Fodder for very celluloid. <laughs> exactly. I'll cover. I'll, I'll follow the, uh, this original trilogy up with that. <laughs> See if it's as horrible as I imagine it being. Do you at all do any writing for V Cinema, or you keep your writing yeah. for Varied Celluloid? Uh, pre- predominantly, I write for Varied Celluloid just because it keeps me so busy. But I occasionally write for uh, V Cinema, uh, not as much as I would like to. Recently, I did a, uh, a review not too long ago of. Uh, what did I cover on there? I can't even remember. <laughs> it was uh, a Moon Lee film. I remember that. But um, yeah, so I write a little bit on B Cinema Show. But yeah, for those at home, my website is verycelluloid.net. That's uh, and then 
vcinemashow.com for the vcinema podcast. And on the next episode, we'll be covering Goodbye Dragon Inn as part of like our Taiwanese uh, film spectrum, and should be uh, a whole lot of fun. It should, I'm sure the film is a lot like Raped by an Angel. So. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's cut from the same cloth, obviously. <laughs> so if you like Raped by an Angel, you're going to love Goodbye Dragon Inn. Taken from the <laughs> ill quotes on uh, DVD cases exactly. of movies.com. <laughs> it, 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 everybody's going to hate me if they actually go and like, they ain't talking about sex or nothing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Only watch a movie. In the movie. Talked of a movie in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, a, a different Taiwan's perspective. I'll be bringing mm-hmm. mine soon to the Podcast on Fire Network and continue yes. to bring mine to my website. The, the, the late 70s, early 80s era and Taiwan insanity in general, or neglected Taiwanese Taiwan yeah. cinema, but uh, not saying that it's therefore uh, the era you're covering or have been mm-hmm. covering is um, anything that there's anything wrong with it. It's not right. something I want to pursue. I want to pursue right. this and all of that. So Absolutely. I want to pursue that as well, so I'll be following your recommendations. Cool, cool. And also at the uh, very tail end of the contact information, the guy who designed our intro and outro and does so on the Podcast on Fire anchor show on the network is Brian Kirby, and you should hit up shelflifeclothing.com and pick up some, some cool movie movie t-shirts with his uh, mashup kind of uh, mashup style kind of uh, mo- uh, motifs that he, that he does, but... Uh, uh, I guess now nowadays today at the time of recording, I think I'm I'm not at all a fan of baseball, but I think I've gathered that the baseball season is kind of all starting soon, and he has his Caucasians baseball team tee, which I think connects to the fact that the the name Cleveland Indians is still controversial in the in in the in, in the world of MLB. So so he did a Caucasians baseball team you know kind of a baseball team logo yes so um are they even called cleveland indians anymore i know that was the team in major league that's how i know about it you have got me man i don't even watch sports center (laughs) (laughs) there you go but hit up hit up brian's uh, brian stores and uh, brian kirby and buy uh buy buy the caucasian hoodie as well you know yes hoodie designer based on that so i just did a quick google search and yeah it looks like they're still the cleveland indians right on uh, okay, we'll have a small musical break for you, and then we'll start our Rape by an Angel discussion, a little pre-discussion uh, of uh, cast and crew and some background. So sit tight for 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, and it's time to start discussing Raped by an Angel from 1993, is it? Yeah, almost said 94, but it's 1993. And as notable as the title is, and the film has 
earned its reputation more on it, I think, and on some of the cover art and on mm-hmm. some of the marketing. For instance, this movie was uh, released as Naked Killer 2 in the UK b- because there was a poster campaign in this movie based on the in-movie action commercial shoot, <sighs> which made, which had Ching Miao and Msutman you know, in torn kind of military action clothing, what have you, and big guns. And, and that was part of the Hong Kong poster campaign. They took that and shamefully neglected the title Rape by Nature and went with the lazy-ass Naked Killer 2 retitle. Uh, I, nah, how could you neglect such a stunning uh, English title of the film? But, it uh, sells itself. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we, we'll talk more of um, its state in the UK during the show, uh, Naked Killer 2 or Rape by an Angel. Uh, I, I've got a gut feeling, though. It's quite an unwatched Hong Kong nasty. Mm-hmm. It's known, the title is so distinctively, distinctly known, but I, I don't think a lot of people have watched it as much as even Dr. Lam and mm-hmm. Six and Sen or what have you. Um, and... Even those who have watched it haven't necessarily given it a huge thumbs up uh, and claiming this is one of the gems from the 90s period of Category 3 cinema. And uh, as much as I like it, it's not necessarily the one. You know, it's it's up there amongst the five, six movies. If you want to check out that many movies, then Rape by Nature should be baked in there, definitely. But uh, title screams louder than the movie is my point. Uh, but... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that it was Wong Jing that came up with the English title of the film, because uh, it would be so fitting for Wong Jing to, and, and kind of genius that, that you know, let's go with something that kind of offends and is just striking. You know what I mean? Raped by an angel. That I'm is not... wrong. And that is Wong Jing in a nutshell. Yes. Wrong. <laughs> wrong Jing. <laughs> <laughs> But I love him for it, you know. It's yes. Uh, and uh, but he produced it, and uh, his uh, Wong Jing Workshop was the production company, if you will. And uh, and the movie, of course, opens up with that brilliant logo that is the outline of Wong Jing. And and I, I love that. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I did this exactly. And uh, it's the first out of a series of six movies. Actually, there's two Rape by an Angel fives. So, uh, Wong Jing was not involved in the second one. Wasn't listed as producer on the Billy Tang directed part five. But his uh, production company at that time, Jing's production company, was involved. So you could say it was you know Wong yeah. Jing all the way through in a way. And it's starring Wong Jin's girlfriend at some point, uh, Ching Miao. That is still a creepy uh, partnership, but uh, who am I to judge? So. Uh, and um, also starring Simon Yam. I don't know who he was involved with at the time. And Mark Cheng, also co-stars in this. And directed by a cinematographer turned director, Andrew Lau. And we'll start off discussing the director, who in short could be argued to have you know, be, be loved and hated if you, like, mm. take the pulse of the Hong Kong cinema community. And they, they wouldn't be necessarily uh, wrong. But yeah. uh, they, this is not, uh, you know, our opportunity to, like, start bashing on Andrew Lau no. just because it's popular to do so. But uh, um, my minor notes at the end of the bio is uh, going to reflect what I what I think of him. And um, so, um, I'm, you know, he's no Jingle Ma 
for, for me in terms of uh, hatred and no <laughs> Benny Chan for me in terms of hatred for certain movies uh, definitely <laughs> not far from it so anyway Andrew Lau born in 1960 and one of six children uh, Lau developed an interest in photography as, uh, as a young lad and this eventually led to his first gig in adult uh, in adulthood being one of several cinematographers on Summer Home's Millionaire's Express in 1986. And really, Lau would be responsible for shooting or sharing cinematography duties on an incredible amount of Hong Kong cinema classics, including, get this, check out this list, Sit on Fire, As Tears Go By, Wild Search, Gunman, a minor Kirk Wong movie, great though, Armor of God, Lee Rock, The Wicked City, and Once Upon a Time in China, Free, amongst others. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. He has been nominated several times in Hong Kong for his work, but when he finally did receive a Hong Kong Film Award, it was for co-directing Infernal Affairs with Alan Mack in 2002, ironically enough, you know. And uh, he, he, he really deserved an award. I think out of all those movies, you know what movie stands out to me the most? Mm. Once Upon a Time in China 3. Mm. I love yeah. the look of that, especially the scene where Wong Jing is fighting on, like, Spike... He's on spike shoes in this uh, inn where they poured like sticky material on the yeah. floor. And I just love the way lights uh, burst through the holes in the windows uh, uh, in this particular set. And it's such, you know, the Once Upon a Time in China series looks great anyway. But uh, I don't know, that hit me. I, it's, it's my favorite in the trilogy, actually. I really dug Once Upon a Time in China 3. Yeah, uh, I so, agree with that. So, so I guess that has something to do with um, on directing Andrew debuted as director in 1990 with Against All a moment of romance clone really a moment of romance starring Andy Lau produced by Danny Lee and starring a young Nick Chung who's also in Rape by an Angel by the way in a supporting role the award winning Nick Chung for Beastalk and um, and uh, been in uh, the Stool Pigeon, I think, was one of his other movies. You know, he's more of a serious actor now compared to he was, you know, trying to, or someone was trying to create a more comedic persona out of Nick. But he's carved yeah. out more of a dramatic uh, persona, more harder-edged persona in Hong Kong cinema now, having grown older and all of that. So, And good on him to, to develop that way. I'm, 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 I was glad to see that. Various works for producer Wong Jing followed for Andrew Lau, including Ghost Lantern, Rape by an Angel, but also triad undercover, undercover cop movies such as Mean Street Story and probably the, the movie that Lau has received most acclaim for outside of the Infernal Affairs trilogy, which is the Jackie Chung vehicle to live and die in Sin Chat Soi made in 1994 essentially you know another city on fire but that's not being fair to the movie it's actually very very solid shot in sync sound starring Roy, Roy Chung Tony Langafai uh, Wu Qian Lian and uh, just solid very well made and uh, good looking but 1996 was a big year for, for Andrew Lau latter half of the 90s was really a big uh, big part of the 90s for him uh, because in 1996 he had a smash hit with the tribe movie Young and Dangerous which would end up at six sequels and a prequel and various spin-offs for the popular characters in that universe. But having said that, Andrew Lau, I'm not sure he directed any of the spin-offs. Uh, definitely didn't direct Portland Street Blues. There was uh, a movie called Those Were the Days, which was the same director as Portland Street Blues. But the... Um, 
yeah, he he focused more on the main story, if you will. Uh, but that was a, a universe uh, that got expanded and expanded in probably good and bad ways. Uh, because as the 90s went on, Hong Kong cinema really took a nosedive and had huge problems surviving as an industry. Therefore, mm-hmm. cheap and cheaper movies were made, including trial movies. You know, just shoot on the street in a week. So, uh, But Portland Street Blues, as I said, that is a really good uh, spin-off from Young and Dangerous. The, the spin-off character that received its own movie in that case is Sandra M's Sister 13, which is in like three or four or, or maybe several of the Young and Dangerous movies. It's, um, it's a, a lesbian uh, triad leader. And uh, Shu Case in that movie won uh, award, an award for that movie, so it's uh, really, really solid. Uh, not seen any of the Young and Dangerous movies yet, uh, though, so uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I think it's popular to, like, I don't know, make fun of those to an extent, make fun of Andrew Lau, but I haven't seen them, so I, I can't yet. Neither have I. <laughs> I. I put it off just because, you know, it just didn't seem like my thing, but I am interested. I would like mm-hmm. to check it out sometime. Yeah, exactly. At least the first three I know Stuart always mm-hmm. recommends because they are a solid trilogy, and after that, they're kind of standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily, you know, the, the, a through line, a whole story throughout all the sequels and all of that. So, uh, So we'll see. Andrew Lau established the company Bob and Partners with Manfred Wong and Wong Jing in the latter stages of the 90s and went on to make special effects heavy movies such as Storm Riders in 1996 and The Lost Duel in uh, in the year of 2000. But it's really Infernal Affairs from 2002 that put Andrew Lau on the map uh, as it was a big hit in Hong Kong who was desperately in need of a big hit. It really came at a correct time and everybody came out to watch that movie it just every you know the stars aligned it was a good movie the stars were in it and and hong kong needed a blockbuster and man did it get it Mm. and deservedly so i mean it's still a good movie oh yeah most definitely i I wasn't very keen on uh, a a big fan of the martin scorsese directed remake to be honest not because i knew the beats but it was it was like yeah it's solid but it's not you know it's not the next big thing Really, From, uh, I don't know. That's to me one of those movies I can just sit there and put on at almost any time and just kind of get some re- entertainment out of. You know, right it's kind of like uh, candy for me. Mm-hmm. I, I totally love Scorsese's version, but I enjoy the original series as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, he has uh, continued to collaborate on movies with Alan Mack. Uh, uh, Andrew directed Initial D and Confession mm-hmm. of Pain or Confessions of Pain with Alan Mack, and also has made his uh, English-language debut starring Richard Gere, and that movie was The Flock, made in 2007. Not many people have seen that, I think. Mm -mm. Have you? No. I didn't know about it until I saw it in your notes, to be honest. And it's a production that saw Andrew Lau leaving or being let go of his uh, English-language project before completion. Uh, And subsequently, there was barely any cinema release for The Flock, and now it's merely enjoying a fairly obscure DVD life. Yeah. Um, It's probably best, if you want to experience the movie on its its own terms, to look out the version released in Europe, because... There, there were different versions uh, released in America and Europe, and, and the latter adds about 10 minutes more, and reportedly is more of a director's cut. Uh, but what was clear watching that movie was that Lau was back in his harshest territory since 1994's Rape by an Angel. I mean, 
it's it's a movie based on you know a hunt for or hunts in general for sex offenders and it's mm. it's not nasty as such exploitation as such but it is harsh a harsh subject not dressed up in inappropriate gloss or anything and uh yeah a little bit style over substance but i thought it was okay it was solid and uh so if if you can get it i'm I'm not sure how the so to say american edit plays i'm sure it plays fine and if you can you know stream it on on rental services you know go ahead and do it i mean it's worth a watch i think it to be really fair to trandulao and uh, it might be his only attempt uh, at an english language movie because he probably maybe got discouraged yeah and the doors aren't opened anymore because the infernal affairs window has kind of passed i think yeah unless he has a great hit uh, another great hit <laughs> that you know ignites worldwide which infernal affairs definitely did and then maybe Martin Scorsese can remake that too and close yeah, exactly. the door. <laughs> it would be great if the following happened, therefore, because at the time of recording, what Andrew is set to direct is the uh, Shaw Brothers, uh, the remake yeah. of the Shaw Brothers movie Flying Guillotines. Yeah. Um, a remake that Teddy Chen, uh, the director of Bodyguards and Assassins, was once attached to. So who knows? You know, Martin Scorsese says Flying I'd Guillotines. Love see, I'd love to see that, man. That would be oh. epic. The kind of material that you would think like Quentin would get a hold of. I want to direct this, but no. The director of Hugo and got good fellas or whatever, you know, flying guillotines. Uh, yeah, so so we'll see what happens there. My my view on Andrew Lau, I mean, the solid is solid in terms of, you know, the movies mm-hmm. I talked about. And, and the acclaimed usually deserves acclaim. I mean, I like the Infernal Affairs trilogy a lot. We, all three movies. I mean, uh, the second one I think is the strongest one. I really like the prequel, mm-hmm. especially since you had Francis mm, as uh, one of the uh, main cast members in the prequel. And it was really, you know, emotional and well done. And uh, I think the team of Alan Mack and Andrew Lau was a, a good team in that regard. One being the co-writer Alan Mack and co-director and a solid director in his own right. He made a war named Desire prior to Infernal Affairs, which is a really cool gangster movie. But, uh, you know, Andrew Lau's main attraction for me is still in cinematography, as he's one of mm-hmm. the best during the 80s and 90s that, that could work any genre and budget to good effect. It was not like he was on movies that were glossy a la Infernal Affairs and, you know, high-budget uh, cinematography, like stylish cinematography. You know, he could shoot anything, because Hong Kong movies looked very ordinary and flat but still great in their own way he he could do he was versatile is my point yeah and uh honestly i mean due to my choices in terms of what i write about and what i pick for the podcast and all of that there isn't time really to sit down with much of his let's say his special effects output for instance i haven't seen storm riders and the young and dangerous movies I, i i want to see eventually but i haven't found time or the desire, but again, that's not a knock on Andrew Lau's director. It's just that I, I, it's only you know, twenty-four hours every day, and I, I'd yeah. like to go where the fun and the kicks kicks are. Yeah. Uh, and all, having said all of that, I'm not very uncomfortable with the fact that I had to make that choice to exclude many, including Andrew Lau. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, the, the Hong Kong movies were plentiful and you, you have to pick and choose, kind yeah. of. Yeah. 
can't see it all. Yeah. So, what about you? Do, do you have any spontaneous thoughts on Andrew Lau and the movies? Uh, basically, I kind of have to agree with most of what you said. He seems to me, you know, I haven't seen as much of his work as you have, but he does seem to be kind of hit or miss, mm. you know? I think uh, really it's all about the project that he's attached to, you know? Something like the Infernal Fair series really does well because of, you know, how smart the script is. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, then there's stuff like Initial D that just kind of holds no interest for me whatsoever, you know? I saw like 10 minutes of Initial D and I I, I realized, you know, I I wasn't immature about it. Like, Andrew fucking sucks! It was just like, this is not for me. This is so not for me. I'm bored by the whooshes and the sounds and the fast cars. I mean, I detest the series like the Fast and the Furious because it's simply not for me. It's not I, I i look for other types of porn yeah i have uh, friends who really like that series the uh, fast and the furious and stuff like that i think will uh from the um gentleman's guide mm-hmm. really loves uh, the fast and the furious series right he at least tolerates it and has seen all of yeah. them me you know you had to sit there and strap me to a chair to get me to watch that tokyo yeah. drift and that's the only one i've seen and god help me i wish i didn't <laughs> and uh but, yeah, but, but, but you know, it's not an it's not an immature stance either here mm-hmm. from you. It's not like it's not for me, and it's in, an incredible strain to sit down and watch them uh, watch. And I got that from initial deals. Like I'm am so bored, despite right. everything being loud and uh, apparent. I'm not gonna watch a documentary about you know people making cars either. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just not an area I have really any interest in. I drive, like, the speed limit or five miles below it. I don't care about (laughs) fast cars, you know, so it doesn't really draw me in. The only car chases I generally like are the ones that are kind of shot in a a very realistic fashion that kind of, you know, bring out a heightened sense of danger. Yeah, check out fucking Full Alert, you know, remember the car chasing Full Alert? Oh, most definitely. Or like um, even what Quentin Tarantino did with Death Proof, even though you know I'm kind of hit or miss with that one, but the car chase is insane and it's you know very realistic and very kind of scary. And I like that, but you know it's hard to get me to a movie based upon you know look how cool these cars are and look how fast they're going to go. Mm. But are you at all? Uh, the same in terms of what I describe uh, that I've made a choice so to say that I can't fit all of this in but I have no desire really to fit exactly. Andrew Lau in Desp- and b- despite me not knowing about the movies as such it's just nah don't feel it you, you gotta mm-hmm. feel it you, you gotta get a little tingling sen- sensation in you you know I, I, I wanna sit down with that yeah yeah most definitely I mean you, you have to have some kind of casual interest going into something you know otherwise yeah. you just pretty much going to torture yourself you know mm. i mean you may find a really great movie but like you said with initial d i, I watched like the first 10 15 minutes of it as well and just you know ugh, just oh look we're young oh look we have fast cars and just it did not grab me whatsoever and it's mm. like okay i can either sit here and watch this or i can go watch buford pusser beat people up with a stick <laughs> i'm gonna go watch buford pusser beat people up with a stick you know all right on yeah, so we'll see. I'll I'll, I'll 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 eagerly you know follow to see what the developments are for Andrew Lau. But uh, it's right. uh, not been uh, you know since Infernal Affairs, it's not been anything that has stood out as in terms of I gotta watch that now. Right. Uh, nothing really. So, uh, but but 
having said that, if you can find a cheap rental of the flock, you, you, Josh, and anyone else, you know, you know, check it out. It's not too bad. Yeah, Richard Gere's usually, you know, fairly consistent. You know, he's a decent performer. I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind watching it. And, and don't be put off if you're that immature uh, 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 by the fact that uh, Avril Lavigne is in this movie. She's in like two scenes, so it's not like oh, Avril Lavigne. Yeah. Hell no, man! I ain't watching that, bro. <laughs> I disapprove. <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to a uh, second uh, cast uh, member, co-leading man, if you will. And it's good old Mark Cheng, who's uh, <laughs> a, King who's a great fan of Mark Cheng. As he said during one of the This Week in Slee shows, I, I can watch Mark Cheng brush his fucking teeth. <laughs> and uh, I, I've, I'm finding it hard to disagree with that, actually. I, I like Mark. But would be lots of flexing while he's doing it. I'm yes, sure. exactly. <laughs> Walking around naked in the moonlight. <laughs> in profile. Exactly. But Mark Chang's career dates back to the 80s, where the likes of Cinema City attempted to make Mark a hit with audiences. But despite you know, having the honor of being lead in movies such as Ringo Lamb's Cupid One with Salier, and co-starring, for fuck's sake, in uh, Choi Hawk's 1986 classic Peking Opera Blues. Mark never really, you know, ma- became an audience favorite as such. And as the 80s went on, became more and more involved in low-budget movies. And made more of a Mark. I realized uh, what a great pun I wrote in my uh, notes Hello. here. <laughs> uh, made more of a Mark playing a villain. No villains. And appearing in category three movies such as The One Tonight and uh, The Imp as well for Ivan Lai and Peeping Tom with uh, Jade Lung. Not at all connected to the uh, to the other classic, I think it's a British movie called Peeping Tom mm. or something like that. Yes, Not at yes. all connected to that. <laughs> uh, and Mark, it seems like, may, I, I'm sure he was fit and all in the 80s, but in the 90s he really, you know, it seems like he bucked up, you know, and uh, <laughs> And having villains, you know, being ripped was sort of the greatest thing in certain Category 3 movies, such as Red to Kill, as we'll explain a little bit later. Uh, But but he's, you know, a very handsome guy, too, you know. And uh, But I'm not too, you know, surprised by the fact that he didn't become, you know, the next big star, because he has a kind of rugged, rough look as well, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, he, he can be seen in late years, you know, uh, making a fine splash in uh, Johnny Toe's Election 2. He starred in Herman Yao's Gong Tao and Oriental Black Magic. Kind of a nice return, you know, pretty decent return to nasty Category 3 movies of the past. And, uh, you know, it's a Black Magic movie. And uh, Black Magic movies were cool back then, and it was not too bad. I mean, Herman Yao pushed stuff in Gong Tao way too far in kind of a good way because there, there's this image of a, a an infant having been essentially you know imploded from within by glass you know kind of a a, a, a spell that uh, represented itself that way you know you get a full view of obviously the doll uh, the puppet sounds amazing but that's kind of whoa man <laughs> and and uh, you know why why not be shameless I right. say sometimes it's only movies and uh, w- one of the most expected appearances from Mark Cheng I didn't notice when I first saw it was a fairly large mo- role in the otherwise disappointing Jet Li Jason Statham movie War mm. 
Mark check was about you know English language role that was kind of cool and you know he he looks he, he has grown matured well you know he he has a presence on screen you know a, a big presence you know a charismatic presence and you know he was fine he was one of the few things that I remembered from war mm-hmm. uh, I otherwise that was very meh yeah did you see war at any point yes yes I don't remember Mark Ching in it but I yeah. do. I've seen, I've actually seen that movie like two or three times somehow. Right. <laughs> like, either t- I remember when I rented it back in the day, and then I've caught it on TV a couple times since then. It's a, uh, it's kind of bland, but you know, it's serviceable, I guess. Um, further on, Mark dated actress Anne Bridgewater in the beginning nineties. Anne Bridgewater co-starred in, uh, among other things, Curry and Pepper with uh, Stephen Chow, and uh, also was in Operation Pink Squad. And uh, he was married, actually, later on to action queen Yukari Oshima for four years, but has since remarried um, a Malaysian woman by the, name of, by the name of Eileen Powell and has a child called Jade. Mm. So hopefully that marriage is intact and Mark is uh, a happy camper yes. in his private life. And uh, my notes on Mark Cheng. 80s Mark Cheng usually sucked. <laughs> Uh, despite the solid list of credits, really. I mean, uh, one of his starring vehicles that I didn't mention was uh, a movie that I guess is fun to watch. It is, but he's terrible in it. It's a movie called Evil Cat. <coughs> and, you know, that's not a movie that's bound to have, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs about uh, the actor, the main actor, right. you know. And he's pretty terrible in it. Just miscast. He doesn't fit, but the movie is kind of fun you know it's got uh, Lau Galung in it and uh, and Supernatural Shenanigans and Stuart Ong is in it uh, being possessed by the cat spirit at one point which is uh, good fun it, it's our mascot when you and I do This Week in Sleaze it's Stuart Ong it's uh, it's becoming yes. that so it's <laughs> Stuart Ong show yeah uh, but the night is really is where the lasting memories of Mark Cheng are created for me and uh Obviously, hard-working actor. He's seen a ton of memorable movies, even though his celluloid time is not mm-hmm. always firmly remembered. But, you know, he's seen movies like Gift of Heaven, Doctor's Heart, which was a, a lead role. Uh, Hong Kong Gigolo, playing uh, one mm-hmm. of the gigolos. Uh, Simon, in the trio of gigolos in that movie, Simon Yam, himself, and Alex Mann. It, it's, it's more of a serious... Uh, movie though it's not a comedy despite the title sounding you know Hong Kong Gigolo walking down the street you know <laughs> uh, I recommend it it's actually good uh, he was in Killer's Blues with uh, Dick Long The Buddhist Spell co-starring with uh, Charla Chung but he released movies like Rape by an Angel The Imp and Peeping Tom uh, actually with uh, Jade Long where at least my impression is lost for Mark right. Chen you know I remember him from those movies and as someone who was willing to push himself to extremes, and uh, if you remember someone from movies, that's surely worth something. Oh yeah, you know what this I mean. This is definitely a, uh, this is one that defines your career for sure. Oh yeah, and, and, and maybe that will be the Mark Chang movie in a way, uh, yeah. Rape by an Angel, and uh, that's not the bad thing, I think. No. Uh, you know, you didn't remember him from War, and I'm I'm thinking that you haven't like, you know, that, that you can you know, no. count five Mark Cheng Hong Kong movies on on, on your hand. Oh, like I remember not. him from this and this and this and this and this. But uh, you know, a lasting memory has finally been created, I guess, via exactly. Rape by an Angel. 
now I'll sit there and go back and spot him and all kinds of other things. But yeah, yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes that with like an actor or whatever. It takes something to sit there and be like, oh, now I'll be able to go, oh, there's that bastard Mark Chang. Yeah. There's that son of a bitch. There he is. Yeah, I have that experience a lot too. I mean, for, for instance, watching a lot of Shaw Brothers movies, um, mm. you know, seeing male leads come and go, female leads come and go, but there is that movie where you find a yeah. Yeah. Now, now I'll remember at least the name, and hopefully I'll remember the look from, from that movie to another different movie. So you know, it, it's not just Shaw Brothers; it's, it's actors and actresses in general. I think. I was I was kind of like that with uh, Low Lee. I had originally seen him you in know, Five Fingers of Death and stuff like that, but it wasn't until like I seen him as uh, the old white-haired priest and uh, just the White Lotus. You know that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, mm. okay, now I can spot him. All these other movies, you know, and that was an iconic role for Lolita right. as well. You know, it's, it was not one of his like meh roles, uh, but mm-hmm. only memorable because he looks the way he looks. No shit, no, it's a totally cool role. Oh god, yeah. Both in Executioners from Shaolin and yeah. uh, Clan of the White Lotus, so, yeah. as you mentioned. So it's all it's all good. Um, for as for the rest of the cast and crew, you know. Being hardworking 80s and 90s actors and filmmakers, they're, they're, they turned up in movies again and again, and they're bound to turn up again and again in movies we cover on this week in Slee. So, as for Wong Jing, Ching Mi, Yao, Wow, 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 and Simon Yam, I'll, I'll, I'll refer kind of back uh, to this week in Slee's four that I'll link, I will link to in the show post in terms of the discussion that me and King Hu have on. Wong Jing, mm-hmm. Ching Miao and Simon Yab and their bios. For instance, here, King Hu's letter of defense for Wong Jing. Because he, he thinks he uh, is, you know, the hate is unwarranted. So he, he kind of, you know, he, he, he wants to, you know, write a, he did write a love letter to him. Yes. Obviously, in, in, in quite a serious way. You know, so, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, what's your long or brief view on starting with? A guy like Wong Jing. Wong Jing? Uh, I don't know. He's kind of like one of those uh, producers slash filmmakers that sit there and, you know, like you said, he kind of has a bad reputation as like, uh, you know, uh, what, what is it I've read he called, what, the king of crap movies or something <laughs> one time? It's like, uh, you know, then we have we have guys like Roger Corman and stuff like that that most people will praise regardless of, you know, how bad some of the movies were, but, uh, you know, Wong Jing has also produced a lot of, you know, really solid stuff, you know, so, I mean, God, I was looking at his credits earlier, like 150 written movies are close to it, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, I mean, you're gonna have some shit in oh. there, oh, yeah. but, uh, you know, but by and large, I mean, you can't discount what he's done for the industry itself, you know, regardless of, uh, a couple of turkeys here and there. He's he's done some good good things. And and I, and and seeing trends, you know, the, the right. Great Pine Angel was made during a category free heyday, and mm-hmm. obviously Wong Jing is not going to stand That's, on no. his sides and like uh-huh. look at everyone else, you know, you know, raking in the money. Right. So he's going to jump in there uh, fist first. You know? Oh yeah. And he certainly does with this movie. And uh, you know several category three movies at the mm-hmm. time so uh, and and when you look at all those credits you know i think you'll end up in all honesty right. with like 20 movies that you absolutely love mm-hmm. you know uh, regardless of his uh, 
if he was involved as producer or writer, you know. Right. It's uh, it has a hell of a lot of classic movies on his resume. For real, I mean, 20 movies, shit, most filmmakers don't even approach that in their career, well, some don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they may, may not as, you know, solid nowadays, of course, but, uh, no. but co- considering the run that he had in the 80s and 90s, I mean, you kind of could retire at least, you know, happy with your career. Maybe right. it's not necessarily, you know, sitting on a pile of money right. as such. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a respectable career for, for, you know, for all its ups and downs. You know? Yeah, even some of the bad ones and stuff, even some of the bad Wong Jing films I've seen are usually kind of fun. You know, he does try to, you know, at least deliver, I guess, what audiences might expect in some of the, you know, cheesy titles. Kind of like the same thing that uh, Roger Corman did, you know. Basically, you're going to get some tits here, you're going to get uh, violence, or you're going to get whatever, you know. And having said that, Wong Jing has produced, you know, series award-winning movies mm-hmm. as well. For right. Anne Hoy, uh, a few years ago, he uh, he supported or presented uh, her uh, slice-of-life drama The Way We Are, but he remained uncredited uh, by choice, probably. Uh, and why he wanted to be uncredited, he just felt like it. And uh, But he, he supported, you know, award-winning stuff so it's not like he's making in the exactly i mean overall probably yeah but not at all times you know and and even even directed uh, part of uh, the uh, director one rather of the rape by an angel movies uh, rape by an angel for the rapists union (laughs) which is the best (laughs) title out of the rape by an angel series and you know looking at his his uh produced stuff within the category free genre that I hinted at I mean uh, just picking up picking some movies here Sex and the Emperor I really dug Chinese Torture Chamber Story The Underground Banker I mean that, that, that that's a classic little selection right there and uh, so um, and uh, even stuff for Andrew Lau as we mentioned Mean Street Story and uh, later on being involved with the production company who made Storm Riders and The Last Duel so he, he was all over all over Hong Kong cinema and uh, so we have a lot to thank him for. Yes. Um, what about Ching Miao? You must remember Ching Miao from something. Oh yeah. This movie. <laughs> well, Naked Killer. You know, um, she was in uh, wouldn't she, uh, God of Gamblers Return, right? Yes. She had a part in that, and then turned really, w- really Wong Jing's girl cinematically, kind of too, because uh, they, you know she made so many movies with him. You said they dated at one point, didn't they? Uh, at some point, yeah. God. <laughs> She is a fine-looking woman. I, I gotta give old uh, Wong Jing props on that. But uh, yeah, she's a very talented little actress as well. You know, she uh, in this film in particular, I think she kind of gets to stretch out a little bit. See, she's she can either be, I think, a little bit annoying. Her character can, but at the same time, I think she's like shows a lot of charisma in this role. Hmm. So yeah, I think she's a talented actress for sure. I remember saying on the that episode uh, this week in Sleeze Four <clears> that I my, my opinion was that uh, it didn't really feel like her career uh, overall because it was <clears> it seemed to be steered so much by Wong Jing and, yeah. and some movies Wong's it, pulling it, the strings yeah exactly uh, she, she's good in several movies obviously she's <clears> great looking and, and fun and sometimes annoying but it really didn't feel like personal choices. Uh, 
you know, it was Wong Jing's choices to to do certain movies. He he put her as lead, you know, in Lover of the Last Empress, which right. was you know an ambitious costume movie. Really not a good movie though. So I was mm. glad to see you know post the Wong Jing era that 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 she could hold her own in in particular in the movie Hold You Tight, mm-hmm. which is a Stanley Kwan movie, where she uh, plays the two roles and uh, really, you know, she she looked. She she was finally not dolled up as such, you know. She she looked older. She was a you know played more of a middle aged uh, woman, and uh, you know, she was so so talented. So she she got a movie finally, yeah. you know, something personal. One is not a bad thing, right. and uh, and uh, she's not uh, focusing on a movie career now. I think essentially she's uh, it's um, a married life that dictates her life right now, mm-hmm. and uh, she had a good run. For uh, for about uh, ten years, I can only imagine those conversations. Honey, I got a couple of roles lined up for you. All right? Okay, this one's going to be in a movie called Naked Killer, and then the next one's going to be Raped by an Angel. What do you think? <laughs> I can imagine. And still, she came off as iconic, though. In right. in in particular, in Naked Killer. I mean, it was a great mm-hmm. movie for her. It was not a you know, a flower vase type of role or anything like Lots that. Of attitude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Attitude is the word, and uh, I think that attitude is present here in, in *Rape by an Angel* as well. Yeah, I think she she has like a couple of different qualities to her in this film. You know, I think she's a little bit kind of I don't want to say all over the place, like isn't a bad thing, but she gets to go to some very different areas. You know, even though she's kind of like uh, over self confident at times throughout the movie, the character mm-hmm. is at least, and it kind of seems a little off putting. But I think she is actually, you know, very charismatic and very, you know, authoritative in the in this movie. You know, it's her movie, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, all right, let's talk of uh, King Who's best friend, uh, Simon Yam. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's best friend. What are you yeah. talking about? In particular, King Who's best friend. He's met him for a few minutes uh, twice. Oh, yeah, I think. In the pictures. Yes. So Simon Yam, the okay, lots. Can be said because there's lots to be discussed if you want to discuss several movies. Oh you know, what what a workhorse, yeah. <laughs> He's been in everything. There's, there's almost... He's still in everything. <laughs> I know. He hasn't stopped. They can't make him stop. He shows up to movie sets without even being invited, and they throw him. <laughs> it's crazy. Who's glowing there in the background? You know? <laughs> That's Simon. Yeah. He's extra in all the movies that he doesn't have a credited role. He's an extra somewhere in the background. <laughs> Even on independent Hong Kong films. Extra glow. <laughs> but but yeah, what an actress. Yeah. Uh, actress, actor rather. He, he could probably be an actress as well. He can probably do female <laughs> roles if he wanted been. to. There's no female roles bringing someone up. But uh, I tried the other day. I was actually trying to think of, like, what was the first movie I saw Simon Yam in? Oh, good and... fucking luck. <laughs> I know, right? I just couldn't. I can't even imagine I, I don't even remember i have no idea it might have uh, i saw even credited in once upon a time in china i'm like oh i saw that kind of early on you know so maybe that was it i have no idea though he's just he's in everything once upon a time in china i don't think that's a correct uh, credit uh... Really, i saw it on imdb earlier I was well, just, well that's please. imdb for you but um, uh... well like i said could have been in the background. Exactly, it's not. It's not. It's definitely feasible. I, I do. Agree. I know, right? I know. I don't. He's definitely not uh, playing Afoon or anything in that. So I have no yeah. idea what he might have played. But what know. do you prefer? Do you prefer a, that 
suave, suave oh, yeah. Simon Yam, you know, with a consummate actor, or do you like his, uh, you know, his uh, psychotic roles more? What do you think? I think, you know, I mean, I just, I, of course, I just want to say, you know, psychotic roles, you know, just love to see him go insane and stuff, but, um, you know, he, he's also just a really talented actor, you know, the guy can do everything, kind of like Anthony Wong in that regard, like, you mm-hmm. know, kind of had some uh, crazy movies at the beginning of his career, he kind of these days seems to be, I mean, he still will go off on a tangent in a heartbeat, but, you know, he, he's definitely a very respected guy now, and, um, Almost know. 60 years old, can you believe that? What? Yeah, Jeez. 56, 57. He's still, I mean, he's, <laughs> I mean, you can see a little bit of age on the guy, but I mean, jeez. I mean, really, yeah, I was thinking about, you know, that, that blood fight was from the 80s, that movie I talked to you about uh, recently with him and there's Bolo Young in it and stuff like that, but, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and uh, what was that uh, IFD guy, Stuart something? Or? Uh, Stuart Smith, yeah. Stuart Smith, yeah. So I mean, yeah, he, he, yeah, his career has some serious longevity, but uh, and not afraid to tackle any role. And that, that that that's that's the difference that I always enjoyed compared to Hollywood because if mm-hmm. because it, they, they are different industries. I'm not saying Hollywood is bad in that regard, but no. think of the time, the controversy that was at the time when it was said that Leonardo DiCaprio possibly was going to star in American Psycho. Right. You know, oh my god, he's going to destroy his image. Simon right. Yam did that, you know, throughout <laughs> the night. It's not destroy his image, Man. but you know, I'm did killed. any movie, you know, Bullet in the Head is a fantastic acting role, you know, suave mm. as fuck and and then you have, you know, necrophilia and Dr. Lamb and just all out insanity in insanity and you know, you know, you can take you can do three four different kind of cinematic images in in a week during right. the 90s. He would do that in a week, I think, because he produced so... He was in so, 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 so much. And uh, I love that comparison, that uh, there was no one, like, tapping on his shoulder, no PR agent saying, you know, no, no not Dr. Lamb after you got the claim <laughs> of the bullet in the head, you know. In full contact, he plays, obviously, that gay adversary of, uh, of Chai Fat's character, you know. Oh, yeah, ju- Judge, you know. Who was uh, totally in love with uh, Chai Fat? Obviously, they're you know uh, uh, enemies, but, uh, and a purely rotten son of a bitch too. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, he uh, he took some daring roles, man, for sure. But it, I guess, it probably within that culture, probably not as you know, wow, you know, as no, we are as Westerners. Another role, rather. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine Robert De Niro doing Doctor Lamb. You know. <laughs> Ever. No, it, th- that movie would never appear that Mm-mm. way, that graphic, yeah, because it's uh, it's uh, it's one of the harder ones, and uh, you right. know, uh, that you wouldn't show up on uh, Bobby De Niro's desk. You know, that would be thrown in the garbage before it even got there. Yeah, it's too much. I mean, the Hong Kong movies and the movies we talk about uh, in this mm-hmm. category free podcast, they are, re- and and this to an extent, Rape by an Angel, they are arguably too much uh, for other culture and other mm-hmm. other censorship boards than right. the uh, you know the, than the ones that were handing out the ratings and all that the teller but uh, it, that, that's why it's so good to have it represented mm-hmm. you know an industry that could push it I mean it was definitely true for for Japanese uh, movie industry you know oh, even yeah. even earlier you know, this was kind of commonplace to be 
to do these gra- these graphic movies in terms of nudity and violence. You know, it was uh, nothing that got eyebrow raised in a scandalous way. Oh my god, is that heartthrob gonna star in a in a <laughs> Roman porno? Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, the Pinku series. I mean, you go into that stuff, and you got the you know Groper train and things like that. It's like, <laughs> you got some wild things, you know, popping out. Welcome on board a Groper train, but the Nikatsu theme park or whatever. <laughs> Women in the front, men in the back. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Groper Train Eight. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so good, good on you, Simon. Yeah, for not giving a damn, just seemingly having fun, developing, and being you. Mm. And uh, and we're still talking about you as well. You know, it's a. Uh, it's a. Uh, he might be. I, I know it probably was a bit. Not confused, but maybe surprised that uh, that he wanted to sign a DVD case of a movie like Run and Kill, like King Who uh, brought to him when he met him. But that, that, that's always the case sometimes with Hong Kong movies, cult Hong Kong movies, horror movies, that they are they ma- barely made a blimp, you know, a blip yeah. uh, on the home market. But over in the West, they, they do have a cult following. And, uh, and Rape by an Angel, I think could be argued to be along those lines be be the same in that regard that it's not a movie that is talked of in scholar discussions in hong kong or amongst mm. you know fans of category three necessarily uh, well maybe fans of category three but it, it's definitely more talked of in the west i think uh, and, and people like when you post stuff from rape by an angel people do notice it a hell of a lot you know ooh, that one so that's the cost and crew can set up and after a break we are gonna have a good old discussion about rape by an angel a good old nasty sleazy discussion i guess including of its uh, of its uh, taiwanese counterpart in terms of its uh, it has different versions in in asia and we're gonna look a bit a bit at the hong kong version and a bit at the taiwanese version <laughs> Welcome back, and we have reached the main attraction of this episode, which is, I guess, the review of Rape by an Angel. And a little bit of plot for you, taken from lovehkfilm.com's review of the film, which we'll also link to. And therefore, the, the plot synopsis is uh, a bit on, on more on the light side, which uh, I, I like too. So. Mark Chang stars as a sweaty bad boy who becomes obsessed with commercial idol Yao, played by Ching Miao. To have his way with her, he moves in next door and starts to befriend Ching Mei's friend Man, played by M. Sut Man, the actress. And unfortunately, Mark gets a go at, at her friend before moving on to the main course or attempting to, but not before he gets taken to court and tragedy strikes as well. Meanwhile, Ching Mei starts dating a nice triad guy. Played by Simon Yam. You know, kind of a side story. Yeah. So Simon Yam is not a rapist, believe it or not. I mean, that was the biggest surprise right there. I disapprove! (laughs) (laughs) Right on. I I was curious about the Chinese title and the titles for the entire series, really. Yeah, so I asked my friend Sylvia on Facebook because she studies Chinese and likes to 
train herself uh, this way, among other things, you know. And the Chinese title can be translated as, because it's no easy way to translate these things, as Hong Kong's odd rape case. And to quote Sylvia, the, uh, they use odd or strange slash weird very often in these in this title, so it doesn't have mm-hmm. the strong connotation of weird that English has. So mm-hmm. odd case is pretty common usage for them, like Wesley's mysterious files sounds, mm-hmm. you know, sense like you know, sensationalistic stuff and silly here, but not to them. So you know, straight translation doesn't really work, um, right. but uh, still uh, a bit of an insight into how 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 you can translate rape by an angel. Hong Kong's odd rape case. I wonder if it's used in like a sense like a macabre or something like that, uh-huh, you know, yeah. just to kind of give audiences an idea that this is going to be dark or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, speaking of Sylvia, you, you should check out her blog, by the way, Achilles Girl in Action Land, uh, com, and we'll put that link in the show post as well. Okay. Like or dislike, or how do you want to start off your review with like a brief first opinion? Oh boy, he's anxious. I can hear him. <laughs> it sucked ass. <laughs> so, no, so, so go ahead, man. Don't think that at all. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I have conflicted uh, views on the film overall, mm-hmm. but uh, generally I have to say that yes, I did like the film. You know, I think that it's kind of, you know, it embodies a lot of what was great about uh, these kind of like nasty, you know, category three movies and stuff like that. And it's um, I don't know if it's an introductory title, like I would throw at somebody or anything like that. But I Mm. do think that it kind of embodies a lot of things that uh, I think are interesting about these movies. So yeah, again amongst the like five six introductory movies, if you want to have five six introductory movies, <laughs> this is one about five or six, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I do like it for all its shameless exploits that it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's shameless exploitation, and I did not find it as annoying as I probably did way back when. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I remember the comedy being more extensive and the more be uh, the movie being more. That's I don't know. I, I don't know. It, 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 come from too. So yeah, pardon me. I said that's mostly where my conflicts with the film do actually come yeah. in is through the comedy and stuff like that. Yeah. Which, but you know, it's not that. that... It, 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 it got it elevated itself. This viewing, I think. I think I, I appreciated the movie more mainly thanks to the fact that we have a version here that sort of combines footage from different versions to kind of make it more of an uncut extended version, which I think helps. When it's not as choppy as it is, but uh, you know, s- starting right off the bat, <laughs> you know, you see what is Mark Cheng uh, wearing a poor Jason mask, uh, and and you would think, oh my God, is Wong Jing gonna steal shamelessly? But he doesn't. And speaking of stealing shamelessly, you gotta bring up Chu Yanping in that regard, the director of Island of Fire and uh, and uh, Hunting List and the Golden Queen's Commander. You know, no one stole. In a love, loving way, like Chu Yanping, and stealing as a rather, you know, turns into uh, paying paying tribute to the cinema he loved. There's a fantastic sequence in Golden Queen's Commando that is uses ecstasy of gold, 
of the, of the soundtrack but the scene is actually straight out of the scene in my name is nobody where peter fonda has set up uh, dynamite and yeah. uh, all the you know all the stuntmen fall off the horses in slow motion and all of that so it's that sequence combined with ecstasy of gold brilliant where bridget lynn and sally and all of, all of the girls uh, battle all the guys on, on horses if you will so i i don't look for wong jing movies for that kind of fix you know the copying fix for like uh, you know uh, channeling a, a a known movie uh in his way you know copying his way mm-hmm. they, 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 that was not a wong jing movies for me and despite this being made by a former cinematographer or, or cinematographer after this movie as well not on this movie i ah, let me hold that thought. I gotta check if uh, no, no, no. He's not credited as cinematographer Andrew Lau on this one. Who, do they actually credit? I couldn't find. Uh, uh, on Hong Kong movie it. database, it's a, a gentleman. If it is indeed a gentleman, called uh, Chung Man Po, mm. which is a uh, fairly uh, veteran of the scene in that regard. Uh, still shooting mm-hmm. movies, so. But it, 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 there's no gloss to it as such, which I, not in all sequences, which I appreciated because what we get during like this first sequence is seemingly an attack on a woman by something fierce and strong, you know, a rape by someone right. in a Jason mask. But then it turns out to be part of the sexual games between Mark Cheng's character and his girlfriend. But he's possibly a bit way too into rape games. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. It's that the whole setup. Scene's- the whole scene's kind of really set up very. Uh, I, I like the way the whole scene plays out, and I, you know, the whole Jason mask thing and everything like that. The hockey mask, you know, it. Uh, in the years following, you know, the Friday Thirteenth uh, series, you know, it almost became. Um, at that point, you know, it's kind of a, it's a hint at you know, okay, well, they could be playing this straight, you know, and like this is how the guy prefers to rape people, but you know, it also became kind of like a. a device for kind of making fun of the slasher genre you know you see it in a lot of movies where if you're going to have a generic killer or whatever you're going to have the guy with the hockey mask on Hmm. and uh you can kind of see it playing out in different ways and when you know you see mark Chang come out with that hockey mask on swole is all get out and covered in sweat and (laughs) what have you you're like this is either going to be like balls out amazing or they're really they're kind of smart and they're doing something here it's it's pretty fun setup, uh, yeah. Joe, and and you 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 get an idea of Mark's character. You also get an idea of Mark's character when he's uh, he actually in, kind of infiltrates the the part the commercial a party for the commercial that Ching Miao has uh, appeared in. He he infiltrates that and he starts hitting on Ching Miao, and he he's he's. He's moving suave, yeah, but when women are aggressive in return, you know, when they, in a faked way, to lure him in or respond to his commands, he melts like butter, you know. He, he, he becomes every male, you know. Whoa. Actually, on the comedy, uh, we, we, have, uh, we, we, have, we have a few things to discuss. I know you, you'd like to highlight something here. But in, the, in an early comedic sequence, and there's not a whole lot in them, there's a rare sight of uh, pot smoking in Hong Kong movies, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's no rare sight to have a large comedic element in these kind of movies, and a large comedic element can mean that it's a kind of applied to one person, and that person is Kingdom Yun. In <laughs> in a no in a, a short role with no restraint whatsoever. I know you're kind of a fan of the actress, so what do you want to yeah. talk? To, 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 
you know, in general, the comedy and, and her. What do you want to say? <laughs> I've I've had like a infatuation with her, I guess, since like uh, Wing Chun, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. Every time I see her, I think she's just like she's incredibly over the top, and in this movie, she's like even further than that. I think you know her character kind of never quits either laughing or making a complete <laughs> spectacle of herself. You know, the introduction with, the, you know, the, after having you know, everyone smoked grass or what have you, mm-hmm. uh, she in particularly is just going completely off the Richter scale, just, you know, giving her, uh, what did they call it, um, water ice stance or ice fire stance? Or... Yeah. I, I can't even begin to explain what that is about. Essentially, it's about uh, what, it's some, what 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 to do after after the male uh, after after male ejaculation or during male ejaculation. I assumed like I assumed it was um it's oral sex with ice cubes in your mouth. Yes, which is you know not exactly a, a new. That doesn't concept. sound appealing to all at all. <laughs> that too, yeah, kind of sounds like that might hurt. But um, and then there's something to do with sticking the wiener. <laughs> <laughs> a glass of water or something. I didn't also entirely... doesn't sound appealing at all. Ice yes, water. Yes. You know? Okay. <laughs> I, fire ice stones. Is that supposed to be warm at the same time? I don't know what they were. Uh, yeah, warm water. But her energy in telling that, you know, she's oh so God. into that. You know. <sighs> Nothing but like laughs and giddy insanity. And uh, yeah, she, she only has a few scenes throughout the movie, but like she's one of those actresses that just kind of steals the limelight, you know, I guess by going so insanely over the top that, you know, by the end of it, you kind of, she's, she's one of those characters that you, you're forced to recognize, you know, hmm. what we talked about earlier, you know, not recognizing Mark Chang in other films. It's like she kind of forces that limelight on herself, you know, with her insane kind of performances hmm. and yeah, I just I just really like that. I mean, in uh, in another movie or in certain movies, she pro- that would probably be too much and be far too distracting. You know, even though the comedy in this is a wee bit distracting as it is, but I think just I don't know. She warms up the screen. She warms she... up my heart. <laughs> Puts a uh, fire and ice in my heart. I guess I don't know. Fire and ice in my heart. Yeah. But but it's a good point actually. Do you use in my mind, anyway, the rating uh, as a way to be very explicit with the humor, you know, telling and showing graphic, not right. not showing graphic ejaculation, but they are, you know, demonstrating kind of with a banana and and, uh, right. and ice water. And it's kind of wonderfully paid off and well-timed later by Kingdom Union in her, like, second scene where... She actually is kind of interrupted in the midst of, and then you see she opens her mouth, and then water and ice comes out of her mouth. I think that's a wonderful time, wonderfully timed gag. And I love the end of that sequence too, where uh, Ching Miao she hands over the glass of water to Ching Miao, and then at the end of the the scene, Ching Miao takes a sip out of it, not thinking. But it's great. It's so good. Kind of reprisal yet not of the naked killer scene yeah. where Hui Si Hung is uh, chowing down what, and on what uh, on what is you know a male penis. He thinks it's a sausage, <laughs> but uh, you know he chows down like a motherfucker on that. You, one, yeah. you want to talk about uh, infamous moments in film yeah. history? I gotta <laughs> say that's one of them. I, I like this repetition by Wong Jing. You know, it's similar gags here. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, similar graphic gross gags. You know. 
and uh, mm-hmm. and you know fucking have for kingdom kingdom union even has a armpit hair joke you know when someone has apparently put mace into the bathroom cabinet and you hear ah and then she comes out with a ball of armpit hair and we almost, see that no. right i almost didn't get that scene at first it was something to do uh, what would what did they call it like a uh, creeper spray or something like that <laughs> yeah or, obviously mace yeah so right, right or, or yeah. pepper spray I was, yeah. I was like what is oh oh okay yeah. if you don't get creeper spray then you've not watched enough hong kong or category three movies sir <laughs> my, my bad sir. yes so consider yourself educated <laughs> <laughs> That would be a great brand, you know, Creeper Spray. Creeper Spray, yeah, man. Gonna, Fly off the shelves. I'm going to market that shit right now. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's on the theme of showing no restraint. But then the the, the movie kind of uh, stops being in your face with the comedy. At least that's the feel. I, I might, you know, it's this kind of li- little section of two free mo- uh, scenes with Kingdom Yoon. But but then the movie is really like the looming threat of Mark Cheng's character and, mm. uh, you know, honing in on uh, Ching Miao's friend, uh, actor Sun Sit Man, and, uh, and Ching Miao as well, you know. But also the, the, the light mix that they bring in, mm-hmm. and now we're going to talk Simon Yam, is the fact that Ching Miao and Simon Yam start getting on together. And how they are set up is a Ching Miao is a, a, a law student. Uh, starting to be a lawyer, presumably, but regardless, she is. Uh, she wants to interview one of the famous triads in town, and uh, who 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 else to turn to than this essentially a triad celebrity yes. that they and they continue to get on very well in the movie. Like have a a romantic uh, a romantic angle to the movie that isn't as calculated as you might think. But uh, I I loved. Sammy Yamsen entrance in the movie uh, as you know he, he is a pop star essentially <laughs> he's try, he, he's on the cover of magazines you know, uh, might have been triad magazines albeit but he's on the, the cover of magazines and you gotta keep up appearances because the, his first scene is at a hair salon yeah and uh, I don't know uh, the, 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 the thing I was surprised about this role is that Simon Yam plays a kind triad that's right. surprising for two reasons you don't see that for Simon Yam necessarily. He, it's not the 20, 20th role in the same vein, but you don't see that period really. Uh, that right. uh, try, uh, he's, he's kind of innocent. He's tried, but you know, he, 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 he wants to better himself. You know what I mean? Right. He's more of a playboy, really. You yes. Know? <laughs> and like, uh, one of the scenes that kind of demonstrates, I guess, his, uh, I guess you'd call it kind heartedness, is the sequence like right after. Uh, the uh, rival triads break in on him while he's getting his hair cut or whatever when he first meets Ching Miao. And uh, later on when they actually catch those triads, you know, he doesn't immediately just kill them or whatever. He sits there and uh, I guess he breaks uh, bread with them, essentially. He could be just doing it to try and impress Ching Miao's character, but you get the feeling like this guy's not so bad. You know, normally you'd expect him to just kill whoever sat there and uh, try to kill him because mm. obviously they weren't doing him any favors yeah exactly and, and they harmed him as well or not uh, right. they, they hurt him a little bit and, mm-hmm. and and it's a good point because you don't know at this point uh, if this is a self-centered or kind character mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't know I was delighted to follow his development as a character uh, mm-hmm. when becoming more and more the love interest of Ching Miao he, he's really into her but she's uh, more plain hard to catch, which is fresh as well. You know, she's uh, she 
she keep she, she has that stance throughout the movie that uh, you know I gotta make this motherfucker work, yeah. and he's not used to that. He's not used to working for romance what he wants you know usually stuff is handed you know on a platter starting with the custard tart tart obviously in his first scene you know uh, having yeah. having you know his uh, his uh, his tea handed to him and all of that and uh, and so i don't know it's a it's an unusual role what, what i love by the way about the chase sequence that goes goes to the street yeah i, I love they're running away from the chop squad, obviously. Yeah. And the general public is looking on. And this works in two ways. Because they, they, these are not extras. It's the people, uh, real people witnesses, witnessing the shooting in the street. But obviously, yeah. that could act as the people in the movie as well. And at this time in the 90s, they, uh, you know, it's not an uncommon sight to have movie shooting in the street without permits, presumably. Uh, they might not even notice that it's movie stars running away from the attack because it's so commonplace to see triad activity, I assume, also. But even if they saw it was movie stars, maybe they would not think it's surprising either that triads are running after them. <laughs> you know, yeah, they probably upset someone while they were making their 10th movie that day. You know, whatever. It's Simon. <laughs> it's Simon and Ching Miao, yeah. Yeah. Hope they live. Anyway... <laughs> So, so it's it's a very unusual role, and and um, Wong Jing uh, brings in the some fun facts about uh, triads. He says that you know, in order for us to survive, we have to have a movie production companies going on, going in our line yeah. of work. You know, yeah. there's a need for triad bosses to have a film company. That doesn't lead to any sleazy scenes where we see. No. Category three movies being shot, you don't you don't see anything, uh, anything about that. But it, it gives a little real life insight to nineties Hong Kong in a way. He doesn't uh, mention a very uh, interesting sounding title during that sequence: uh, Wong Fei Hong versus Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> sure. He offered uh, Ching Mi Yao a role in it too. <laughs> I'm surprised she declined it too. It sounds like a good wow. one. <laughs> the, the character actually. Obviously, he needs to have a tough exterior as he is the head of the company. But uh, all throughout, and I, I was so delighted. I'm gonna mention it again, but I was so delighted. All throughout, you had the kinder and softer underneath. And Simon Yam, in a role he probably did and prepare for, he just walked on the set. Okay, can I be? Am I in another movie? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're in. Where? There. Okay, I'll go there. And what's the script uh, director? This and this, and still he manages to balance right. this uh, neatly and. Confrontations might be his world as a tribe, but it, it's cool that he intends to be, again, kind, to have a heart, and it's not a fake gesture right. to her. You know, he obviously, he obviously does um, charity endeavors as well, and uh, mm -hmm. and it's not. Uh, I, I don't know what you thought of this, but he's not obnoxious. I, I, I never thought mm. he was obnoxious in his insistence to like try and woo Ching Miao. <laughs> At times, I think he does go a little bit over the top. But but, but, uh, but she shoots him down very very uh, yes, effectively. Yes, yes. It, it becomes kind of that uh, whole you know he's almost like drooling at her uh, heels while she sits there and shoves him away, kind of thing. That later sort of... on in the movie he does yeah. Yeah, we'll almost that later on. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't though? Who wouldn't? Oh right, I mean that is Ching Miao. It, it I'm, I'm probably looking at the, this a bit deeper, but the, it's uh, we all obviously have two male characters mainly in the movie and they 
provide a nice counterbalance in the movie. One is a one that puts up a front fake gestures to get what he wants. Mark Cheng's character obviously in a more heinous way. And 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 Simon Yam really doesn't and represents something kind in this doc. Well, it's, it's you know, a very interesting contrast. I, I think so. It's unusual. Yeah. It's one of the things that I definitely that definitely stay with me after my first viewing years and years ago. Because mm-hmm. you got you have one guy who pretends to be kind of tough. Not to say he isn't tough, but he, he pretends to be that character, like the dark brooding gangster. But you know, he has a much more lighter qualities and more of a heart. Whereas you have Mark Cheng, who pretends to be the nice guy, you know, sentimental boyfriend, but in actuality, he's a brutish, evil conniving bastard mm-hmm. right and uh, on Ching Miao within all this in her interactions with Yam uh, she she displays a uh, you know a, a toughness a spirit mm-hmm. and uh, even impresses the, the character Yam plays by by woman handling his mm-hmm. old girlfriend at the uh, at yes. the uh, mother's uh, birthday banquet yes which is cool you know you get that little naked killer influence in this that uh you know she has uh it turns out she she can handle herself she's not a dancing dancing in distress or anything like that she grew up in an orphanage <laughs> yeah there you go logic <laughs> logic exactly. solidified uh, yeah not, nothing beforehand told us that she was kind of a badass but then she sits there and breaks a bottle over a chick's head and nearly you know cuts her throat with it yes and she's like don't mess with me i was raising an orphanage oh okay there we go the, the, we got character depth there I, I, right. enough I, I don't need anything else I, I like it mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it already and, and that kind of that does kind of that kind of a background that's kind of hidden right there that does kind of help with the um, situation with her being attracted to kind of a roughneck Simon mm-hmm. Yam you know like the fact that she probably did grow up around you know gangsters and tough people and stuff like that and her you know dark and brooding background or whatever yeah so there's at least some of that she's not just some uh cheerleader who falls for you know the crime lord exactly and um on um my, some of my final notes on this relationship uh, the, the mother by the way uh, of Samuel Yance is played by veteran actress Ter- Teresa Harping and even she steps in to settle the business <laughs> with Yams' ex-girlfriend you know she's very good she's fucking badass man <laughs> and is. even uses you know as they refer to in the subtitles multiple times you know foul language and uh, I'm glad though at least normally on on at least Cantonese language prints so as soon as the language got a bit vulgar and uh, forbidden in terms of uh, uh, if the rating would have been lower I think you would have had more censorship in terms of mm-hmm. uh, triad type of language and references but you don't get that on the Mandarin track in a way but it, it, it's, it's nice to hear it uncensored is uh, my mm-hmm. uh, minor point here not uh, and, and not hear those loud ass beeps that you hear sometimes on Hong Kong movies right and there's, uh, there's a great sequence later on where Simon Yam you know He's told by Ching Miao that he's not going to be allowed to use foul language anymore or whatever. So, you know, he sits there and asks his, you know, repeat one last ultimate foul sentence or yes. whatever. And he stands up and shouts, you know, basically. Big ass cow, motherfucker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just everything he can come up with. Which is good fun, which is done for, for, for laughs. And, 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 and therefore, this manages to not glorify triad life. I think it uh, really distances itself right. from 
triad life. He doesn't make it alluring to be a triad follower like uh, Nick Chung, who, who isn't abused or anything, but he, he he's the follower who does the dirty work, kind of. And 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 the way they do play for comedy, it, it makes. Uh, I always I always love. Uh, triad satire when uh, Hong Kong movies did that Once Upon a Time in Triad Society is a fantastic uh, example in that regard and Sexy and Dangerous as well both movies starring Francism out of all people uh, out of all people so good for him to have to, to have him there for satire purposes so there, there is elements of it here that I really dig and uh, and, and, and he literally says you know uh, in the last stages of the movie that he is going straight Sammy Young's character he lets he will let others take over the illegal activities in his company, right. like the blackmail operation, but he will not be hands-on anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know, I've not seen such a focus on a triad movie character as such. Not that I can think of anywhere that stands out like this. And I, 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 I genuinely think this is an underrated part of the movie. They, they, they do mm-hmm. play well together, having played together obviously a naked killer and uh, maybe uh, they were in future cops together i don't know how many scenes they had together but um, uh, they, they were in that for Wong Jing as well they have good chemistry for sure mm-hmm. you know and i think that shows up in the movie you know especially it's like really there's a there's a point in the movie where it's almost like it becomes two separate films where you've got yes. the mark Chang stuff going on which is the much darker you know and more sinister you know part of where this film gets its reputation and then you've got her who she has no idea you know any of this Mark Chang stuff's going on mm-hmm. and she's out with uh, Simon Yam and there's that whole love story blossoming so it it, it really is it develops into two very different directions and it, it comes together well in the end I think so because it sounds contrasting the way you explain <laughs> it uh, but it, it actually does fit uh, because this light side is not a great in comedic side while right. the heinous and dark stuff is going on as right. well the it, it's not you know it's to me it stands out a little bit but it's not quite you know i think i mentioned this last time i was on the show uh but you know it's not last house on the left where you've got bumbling cops yeah. and it's <laughs> unfunny just trying to be funny you know this is you know genuinely kind of sweet and kind of uh it works well i think you know yeah. the relationship between these two but uh, enough of the light stuff. Let's uh, look at the dark stuff and uh, the drama, if you will, and uh, a few other things before we get to Mark Chang and kind of Nsut Man, Man's uh, movie, if you will. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Nsut Man playing the character of Man or Man Man, as they say in the subtitles. But uh, there, there, there's some dramas set up later for a uh, finale, uh, finale gag or finale, uh, uh, finale aspect. Is that uh, uh, De- Ching Miao and uh, Msut Man have a friend who has AIDS and mm-hmm. uh, she's played by Cindy Yip by the way another category of three actors uh, who appeared in the likes of uh, Sudden Love and uh, they were rather visually arresting The Other Side of Dolls which I think um, are really standout movies uh, it's not as dis- distasteful as it could have been because there, there, there exists such so much irrational fear about the physical Everybody's afraid of physically touching someone who has AIDS, despite people knowing right. better. You know, and then they play that angle quite well. Then they kind of exploit it later. I don't. We'll decide later if we're going to spoil it or not when discussing the Taiwan edit more firmly. So no, no spoilers yet, anyway, people. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, lo- looking at Mark Cheng, here's the counterbalance, as we said. You know, the manipulator, right. and who is really ultra sharp. He can set up scenarios right. like 10 
steps in advance, <laughs> starting with when when Nsitman visits the office, and then when she exits the office, he has actually uh, put some lipstick on his lips for his secretary to notice, mm-hmm. you know. And all throughout, you get these little sharp moments of him manipulating the situation and seeing like the movie a few actually, reels ahead of time. It's actually very clever. Because, like, you know, you don't really... I didn't realize exactly what was being set up at that point, you know, or anything like that. There's, you know, him walking in and out of her apartment and stuff like that. and like Yeah, taking arguments to the street as well. Right. You know. D- doing these things, like, per- intentionally provoking an argument, walking up to her door and saying, you know, what he, I don't even remember what words he called her, but uh, basically he called her a whore. And uh, for no reason, right, could you imagine somebody walking up to your door and just saying, hey, by the way, you're a whore. What? Mm-hmm. You know, and so she, you know, walks out in the street and kind of curses at him, and he pretends to be the hurt boyfriend. And yeah. Yeah, he just, he does all this, and it's very elaborate, you know. He goes through all these pains to make himself appear as her boyfriend to all the neighbors and the community, you know. Yeah, because there, there is always a potential... Uh, justice and uh, trial angle, you know, in his head. And yeah, this movie turns into a, a trial drama where all of this comes back. Right. And, uh, he, he, he's like he, the Joker, man. Yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he's, you know, if you were, if you are, and if we were more, I don't know, uh, sensitive uh, viewers or picky viewers, we would have like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I didn't spot any necessarily, you know, plot hole. The only plot hole I could find, to be honest, way early was that the fact that he, for some reason, gains access to that uh, party for the commercial uh, mm-hmm. early on in the film where he first sees uh, Ching Mei or tries to hit on her. I was like, right. yeah, that he, he apparently can get into these social circles. Okay, fine, I'll go with it. And I forgot about that later on because the movie isn't focused on all the parties he gets into without any logic <laughs> being attached to it. It's not about that, you know. Yeah, it's uh, just like... Uh missed opportunity for him to be a creeper yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you seen Red to Kill yes yeah I mean he he can't rival Ben mm, as a force <laughs> but yeah. he does his damnedest Mark Chang you oh know he, he he is memorable uh, you know he, he's he's a ripped force muscular yes. force no but, but still obviously no one can uh, can rival Ben mm, but uh, this yeah. is what Category 3 Cinema gave us these incredibly nasty and heinous characters that Im- who immerse themselves into this stuff maybe too well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Could you imagine if those two, man, had teamed up for like a real rapist union, man? That'd be like the most frightening film ever. A versus movie, you know. <laughs> oh my god. Who could rape the most? Oh, yeah. geez. But then again, Wong Jin kind of did that with uh, Rape by an Angel 5 because he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he brought in he brought in the rapist character from Rape by an Angel 2 and possibly Dr. Lam <laughs> as his rapist student. That sounds amazing. I mean, it's not the only thing that makes uh, a role memorable. Uh, you know, when seeing uh, Mark Chang, you know, put whipped cream on uh, one of the persons he uh, has sex with later in the film and masturbating upside down. But you know, what if what do you think of actors immersing themselves into role in this way? You know, is it too much for you, or, or you you just admire them going for it? Oh, I think it's great. I think it. Uh, you know, I mean, that's how you elevate you know an interesting movie into something a whole lot better. 
you know. And I think that he's, you know, kind of does that with this role. For, you know, for those at home who can't picture Mark Chang, um, if you're an MMA fan, to me he kind of looks like uh, a fighter named uh, Akiyama, a.k.a. Sexyama. He kind of just had, (laughs) he's this guy, he's this uh, Korean slash Japanese fighter, and uh, he has this very, they're very chiseled, good looks, kind of. And uh, that's why they call him Sexyama, because he was actually a, a male model at times. And uh, just has, like, a very defined chin structure. Not chin structure, like cheek structure. And uh, he just he doesn't look like the total sleazeball that he turns into in this movie. But you don't expect it. And then, you know, when you see him just go at it, you know, it's just it's kind of a... It's an experience, to say the least. And yet it's not uh, unintentionally funny. Ever. No, uh, no. Even when, it, yeah, even when the movie turns into crazy clown time at the end, we we right. we, we we will put a spoiler warning soon, but not yet. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just uh, tease with crazy clown time at the end. It's still scary, right? That's what makes it so scary. Is also the you know the character seems to just like you said, like he's so calculative. You know, he is just ahead of the curve. He knows what's going to happen, and it's like. It's almost he's almost a supervillain of sorts in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made like the joke on Facebook, I don't, and you didn't really get it, but uh, he's kind of like um, Michigan J. Frog from the Looney Tunes cartoons. Uh, he's this little frog <laughs> that when somebody, anybody, if uh, there's this guy, he finds a frog, and the frog starts uh, singing and dancing. And he's like, "Hello, my baby. Hello, my hello, my ragtime." Which Mark Chang doesn't do in this movie. Doesn't, doesn't do, unfortunately, but when. But that's the way this frog <laughs> normally is. But as soon as you put him in front of anybody else, he's just ribbit. <laughs> and that, that's what Mark Chang does. He just he he's this raping psychopath lunatic. But you know he has the ability to just appear like this upstanding uh, businessman mm-hmm. who's just been hurt by his poor girlfriend. And it, it's just it's brilliant the way it's played out like that. It really gets under your nerves. It's like this fucking guy. Yeah, and uh, speaking of getting under your nerves, so, I mean, the, the main rape scene, so to say, by Sutman, that, that we got a chance to see more extended in the composite version that we that we have, it's really stuff that'll make you your stomach get turned. The way he, he he's 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 sadistic, you know. He uh, he's you know he's not you know attacking her right away. He's torturing her by right. breaking her down emotionally, you know asking her to like oh you know oh, beg me to fuck you, you yeah know, beg, and you know to uh cutting off her panties hitting her and mm-hmm. and and has to you know balls at the end to kind of appear sweet to right. her, you know you know we'll see you later and then kisses her and leaves her. and it, you know it's it's heartbreaking really heartbreaking mm-hmm. and and that obviously speaks to that an actress like uh Msutman can go to these lengths to you know, really right. be broken down like a ca- uh, uh, as a character, humil- humiliated uh, and stripped of all mentally and physically, obviously. Yeah, there's a point after, like, the first time he rapes her, because he does, he kidnaps her and rapes her multiple times, but, like, the first rape or whatever, he's like, afterwards, he's like, oh, that was so good, you know, we're going to, yeah. you know, we'll only wait a couple hours and we'll do it again, and yeah, it's just like, yeah. damn, that's creepy, you know? That is creepy. And uh, most of this rape actually is not in the current Hong Kong DVD, as we'll discuss in a little, little bit for for viewers of the Hong Kong DVD. Much of this slow sadism, if you will, is actually 
all out almost in the, in the all cut out almost uh, from the Hong Kong DVD, uh, which made this sequence kind of a, a new sequence for me when I watched it. Oh, whoa, I don't remember this. That's because it's only in the Taiwan version as of uh, this time. Uh, going back a little to Andrew Lau, obviously he he's part of staging this, but f- from his eyes perspective. You know, he's a cinematographer after all. The most visually arresting stuff is later on when he is uh, has kidnapped uh, Man, uh, the character Man, and keeps her in this, uh, you know, large uh, space, this blue lit space, and has her strapped to this odd uh, piece of furniture. Yeah. Uh, that that looks good. You know, blue is always visually arresting. This is also cold, sterile, and steel like in its. Uh, and it's that, that, that's the impression I got, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, a lot of nasty things happen there. But yeah, that, that's probably the most uh, impressive sequence I think in the film, probably. And then you know he he takes it outside as well, isn't afraid to you know keep it kind of in uh, sunlight and everything like that. And that's not something that you normally see in a movie this dark, mm-hmm. you know, at least this morbid in certain sequences. Yeah, definitely, and uh, the, I, I don't know if um, we're, we're, um, we're slowly approaching the uh, discussion of the Taiwan version, so we, we, we should probably mention the moment that is, uh, whoever concocted this, uh, probably, for the sake of argument, you know, Wong Jing's lowest but kind of highest moment, and it's uh, the rape scene yes. by uh, involving the mentally challenged boy who is forced by Mark Cheng to rape Man, a sequence only in the Taiwan cut as well. Again, I, I, I use the term, you know, uh, I think a little while ago, you know, it makes your stomach turn. And this, right. this is unbelievable exploitation, but effective oh, exploitation. <laughs> Very. Oh boy, oh boy. Because he, he doesn't know this mentally challenged boy. He, right. he, he doesn't know really what he's doing or what he's being uh, forced mm-hmm. to do it's not like what he's, he's, he's not betrayed as a horn dog just because he's right. uh, has uh, is mentally challenged you know yeah he's blindfolded and led to uh yeah the man character yeah and uh the, this this was not nice Wong Jing. no <laughs> <laughs> this, this was not pleasant young man <laughs> But man, oh man, this was, uh, t- you know, these two sequences that we we who bought the Hong Kong DVD before didn't get a chance to see before. Now we can if we own the Taiwan version or the composite edit that is on the internet. But uh, it's uh, it, it's overall, we can kind of s- summarize it in a, in a way now. It's overall a movie that is effective in the areas that it touches, I think. Right. It, uh, if when, you're looking for a, a rapey... Hong uh, Cat Three movie, well, you found it, you know. Yeah. And and it, it should it should be remembered by audiences for good, you know, for, for better or mm-hmm. worse, you know. Just like Red to Kill, this is kind of still nowhere near Red to Kill in terms of right, uh, no. intensity, but it, it is a it, it is a piece of uh, piece of work, definitely that uh, I can appreciate more now that I've seen more of the footage. And there's even a sequence of street, uh, striking violence as well that uh, I don't know if we'll mention go you know go too heavily into it. But, no, we'll, uh, we'll make brief mentions of it uh, during uh, in, a, in a little bit. I think I know okay. what you're talking about. Uh, yes, the the, the 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 most extensive gore moment in a movie. Right, yeah. right, correct. But it, it's uh, it, it's not a you know a, a 
you know a black spot on these people's filmography yeah. because they, they weren't like this was not a sensation that they shunned out the movie like this in the 90s mm-hmm. uh, from you know it was kind of expected from certain personnel including the actors to be in this and uh, man did they play with the category free rating and uh, they probably weren't allowed to have some of this in the actual cinema version mm-hmm. uh, not all anyway uh, but uh, you know t- take it or leave it this is effective extreme cinema for those who want to have effective extreme cinema I'm one of those people oh me too uh, I, I can uh, I don't get I get turned off but I don't turn off you know right. what I mean and uh, but but this movie is not obviously meant to be uh, to turn you on though <laughs> you know <laughs> definitely oh, not nah. so yeah I mean some people you know I mean you hey know, yeah but uh, you know be, before we go into spoiler territory uh, anything else you want to mention about the film in terms of summary, summing it up or any other notes uh, mm, I think you know I mean we've covered a lot of it I think that uh, you know it's definitely a film of two halves and it, it does come together well which is why I don't you know dislike the movie or anything like that if I have any problems with it it's that uh, during the midst of the two sequence you know you've got the dark side and then you've got the lighter side um but the movie does well in the regards that it doesn't um, it doesn't go too far in either direction. It doesn't. It isn't wacky comedy, you know. Yeah. It's not over the top in that regard. And then during the sequences where you're going back and forth between these two bits, Mark Chang's kind of being a creeper, but it's not quite to the levels that you know it will eventually get to. But by the time it starts getting to those really dark levels. You know, the movie kind of starts heading in a singular direction at that mm-hmm. point. You know, so it's not a really tonally off movie or anything like that, but it is enough upon first viewing that it kind of like, well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. But I have watched it uh, multiple times, and it di- it does kind of uh, start to feel like a singular whole. It's a movie with its own distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Uh, so, listeners, uh, we w- s- since we did watch uh, a, a composite version that involves the Taiwan edit, we're going to go into some spoiler territory now. So, if, if you if if you're keen to watch the film kind of thoroughly unspoiled, then you know don't listen further. Watch it and come back. And uh, right. so, consider this a spoiler warning. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the fact that uh, the, the, there is a longer Taiwan edit available of this movie. Uh, but there, there's some theorizing and some discussion about that to be had, and I'll explain why that, what that vague sentence means. Uh, like many Hong Kong movies at the time, they, they, they prepared an edit available for Taiwan that also came out oftentimes earlier. They played it movies in Taiwan at extended length that was then trimmed further for local Hong Kong release. But you know, trimmed as a way of honing and polishing the film for mm-hmm. for the hometown uh, hometown market. But uh, anyway, turning back to the UK for a moment, uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, it was released at Na- as Naked Killer 2, and uh, the distributor in uh, the UK, MIA, they submitted the movie pre-cut at around about 85 minutes. But the BBFC, the British Board of Film Classification, uh, ended up making further cuts, making this version in the UK around about 15 or 18 minutes shorter than the Hong Kong DVD 
um, t- there's probably Paul and TSC speed issues to take into account. That's why I'm saying 15, 18 minutes or so. Uh, the Hong Kong DVD, though, by Universe is a, is a fairly good option as much is retained, but the mentioned uh, rape by Mzutman in particular is merely a fragment of what it is in the Taiwan version. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and really, if you want to spot sensor cuts, uh, listeners, just watch for like tears on the print and jumps in audio. You know, it's not subtle. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, cracks in the audio and just jumps in general. In particular, during this sequence, you know, on the Hong Kong DVD, you can. It's really not. It's not anything anymore. Uh, it's horrible, but it's not what it actually was. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but again, most of my remarks are assumptions because there's no way to be sure if you didn't. We don't have anyone who 100% remembers what the cinema version looked like mm-hmm. in Hong Kong at the time. And you know what? During the cinema run, they might have made further cuts as well. That has happened. You know, that they edited during the cinema run in Hong Kong. Yeah. So, so it's hard to say, you know, what how the edit looked uh, when it played theatrically but so sex sexual violence or even regular scene that are only in the Taiwan edit now may have been in the original Hong Kong uh, version that played in cinemas or, uh, or a incarnation of it so uh, but but what we have right now is you know it's the only thing we can can compare so start, let's start talking a little of the key differences in the Hong Kong version and the Taiwan version and starting things off there's actually more sex in the Hong Kong version but less sexual violence mm. however Taiwan occasionally goes the other way because if you go back to that the rape scene that we've been talking about the actual when he starts having sex with her that those pieces are missing from the Taiwan version the composite version obviously t- ties them together but, but Taiwan you know keeps the you know uh, keeps the heinous stuff uh, oddly enough and uh, the, the, that's a curious observation and what we're using by the way and you'll get a link to this is the movie.censorship.com's uh, report on the differences between the versions uh, so it's illustrated actually so you can see it uh, see it in the link that we've provided in the show post so my first note is actually the inclusion of a mentally handicapped uh, boy is actually absent totally from the Hong Kong version. It's actually referenced throughout the movie three, four times. Obviously, he has a scene with uh, Man. He wants to have an autograph from her as he is a fan of her commercial. And uh, then the subsequent references to him are not to be found in the Hong Kong version, including that rape scene we talked about. But they mention him every now and again during the court scene. Uh, Mark Cheng has an assistant working for him, uh, a triad. Uh, who disposes of his uh, body actually off screen those mentions are not uh, left you know we're talking uh, lines of dialogue that the hong kong version completely cuts out mm-hmm. uh, uh, and who knows that might have been a thing that that uh, that they purposely edited out or had to edit out we we don't necessarily know for sure you know but uh, they, they don't miss editing out any mention uh, to uh, to this character and uh, I don't know, be because of bad taste, or or they fit the movie, thought the movie was too long already, or 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 because of the fact that maybe censors like saw the rape scene where Mark Chen forces uh, the boy to to rape him, Sutman, and said like, no, 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 you're not keeping that, and then it yeah. made no sense to keep all the other scenes, uh, right, that are in the movie. So that's a uh, one of the main differences uh, 
and uh, again uh, we've mentioned it quite in full but the rape of Msutmani on her table in her apartment is uh, quite longer compared to the Hong Kong version uh, the, the actual you know penetration if you will not real penetration but when he starts to having sex start having yeah. sex with her that's missing in Taiwan it, it, it's curious uh, how it seems to tie that Taiwan looking at this movie only cuts out any any sort of visual reference uh, references to 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 female and male never regions if you will you know it, even if shot from behind maybe that's stuff that is sensitive in Taiwan because uh, you you know there's not even a shot of you know doing this scene that we're talking about uh, f- uh, of Mark Cheng's uh, naked backside even that is missing in the Taiwan version so maybe that's a sensitive issue at that time in Taiwan so but it's all assumption theorizing you know uh, but the big one that is missing from the Taiwan version is uh, the part of anyway uh, because th- this is a scene that is not uncut anyway and it's the chainsaw dismemberment yeah. of a main character yeah. uh, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty gory with you know uh, blood flow uh, flying on the walls and then it ends with them dissolving this body this character's body in uh, acid Right. This is the sequence I was referring to earlier, mm-hmm. with the most violent throughout the film. But yeah, and and they, and they, this is uh, you know barely in the uh, Taiwan version in that regard. It's uh, that is um, missing, and the, the Hong Kong DVD has this almost in full. It's not uncut in any version. I think there's uh, jumps. You can mm-hmm. see tears in the print and jumps. It's a pretty full-on nasty sequence, you know, so yeah. set in blue and all of that. So uh, It's not entirely, like, graphic, like uh, Lucio Fulci or anything like that, but, no, no, you no, know, no, you no. don't actually see flesh being tore into with the chainsaw. But uh, it's just, it's yeah, it is, it's disturbing. Yeah. You know? And that's probably what uh, drove the censors nuts. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be so surprised. In, in you know, in Taiwan anyway, because the, the, this was partly kept in Hong Kong, and uh, and again in in the latter stages of the film, you have uh, speaking again of uh, censorship of uh, of uh, nudity or uh, mm-hmm. sh- shots of Denver regions. Both the scene where Mark Cheng is walking in profile back and forth in his apartment, you see his uh, uh, you see his dick. You, <laughs> you actually do. You see his dick in profile, <laughs> flopping about the place. Yes. Yes. Uh, that is also missing in Taiwan, uh, and also you know, brief shots during the sex scene between him and the character Pauline, which is uh, Simon Yam's ex-girlfriend in the film, because you see a shot of her, uh, of uh, of her pubic hair. Yeah. So, so possibly that is what Taiwan, you know, f- refrains from. They don't pixelate it a la Japanese cinema or anything mm-hmm. like that, and uh, they also leave out. The uh, the cum shot of the movie where <laughs> Mark Chang is masturbating, masturbating up, hanging upside down, and and you see and you see sperm hit a TV, <laughs> which is classic stuff. Oh yeah, uh, but that is still in the Hong Kong version, and Taiwan actually cut that out. Uh, Money so, shot, man. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty pretty nasty stuff, but I, I I don't know. I found that funny that uh, th- this is our nasty bad guy who needs to hang upside down and master very very cuts. He can. Let's get that blood flowing. Yeah. Uh, so you know what? We we won't spoil the movie entirely because I don't think uh, we know you know because the movie has. I've always said this. The movie has a great comeuppance, but we we refrain from de- uh, dealing with that. That sequence has a few editorial differences, but not content wise. 
between the versions. There's a few extra shots here and there, but uh, not uh, content-wise. You still get the same comeuppance. And that's all I gotta say. It's a great Wong Jing moment, I would like to say, the way the movie resolves. The very end, the final shot you're talking about? Uh, no, really, oh, the, no, no, the, fi- uh, the final fate of, um, oh, okay. of uh, Mark Chang's character. You know, the final yes. shot is still a Wong Jing freeze frame, <laughs> ayah moment, you know. Exactly. Surprisingly, no freeze frame on the copy I watched, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it, uh, it adds a whole lot. I'm glad someone took the time online to, to combine the versions, to, mm-hmm. to, to make it closer to an uncut version, but... That's not saying all scenes that are in this yeah. composite actually belongs to belongs to the version. It might have been, you know, Taiwan exclusive, mm-hmm. you know. But but as as put together, it's it's not uh, a movie that is um, uh, extend uh, is too long. I think it actually plays rather well. So uh, having seen this composite, you know, um, the, 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 I'm, I'm guessing this will be kind of your preferred viewing a uh, version mm-hmm. of the film because it combines these strong elements that are missing in respective versions yeah. you know like most film fans you know if i'm if i'm gonna watch something you know i want to see as much of it as possible you know it's like you get the dvd or whatever that has both the director's cut and a the theatrical cut sure if you like the movie you might watch both but your first instinct's probably going to be to jump on the uh, director's cut, you know, the mm. extended version to see, you know, what the filmmakers originally wanted. And mm-hmm. although, you know, there's really no telling whether this is the preferred, you know, Andrew Lau cut of the film or anything like that, but it, uh, it's if you, most... if you would have asked him today, you know, is this your preferred cut? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How should I know? <laughs> but, but you know, it really, it really, you know, I've heard stories of like of cinema prints being changed during the Hong Kong cinema run, you know, I think Troy Hawk told some stories about that, and so, so it's so hard to, to 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 find concrete evidence of this is exactly down to the second how it played during right. day one, two, and three. Here's right. the other cut that played during during day four, five, six. <laughs> you know, so uh, but uh, it, it it I prefer it this way. Now the movie showed its teeth and then some when we got these oh, two key sequences in the same edit that we talked about the extended rape and the and the rape involving the mentally handicapped uh, uh, boy uh, and when i say boy he's a young adult it's not like it's an eight ten year old boy or anything oh yeah yeah. wong jing didn't go that uh, go that low you know <laughs> would be borderline illegal i think to do it uh, mm-hmm. even for fiction but who knows all right, that's Rape by an Angel 1. We'll be going through in subsequent episodes, uh, not necessarily the next one, but subsequent episodes will do uh, kind of double bill, double bill Rape by an Angel coverage. So next uh, Rape by an Angel coverage uh, will be of part two and three. And curiously enough, there, there, there are two things that are curious that you wonder what Wong Jing was thinking. It took a whopping four years, uh, five years even, to make, uh, for another Rape by an Angel movie to be made. Wow. And going against, you know, the trend of this uh, series, the rest of the movies, except for the uh, second Rape by an Angel 5, unrelated, they are merely Cat 2B. Mm. They are not even Category 3, the rest of the movies. Mm. And yet they're, they push it. There's especially that. two uh, and they're interesting in that regard uh, and even 
you know, Wong Jing even resurfaced, albeit only for one movie, the Chinese Torture Chamber story series. They made a sequel in 1998 as well. That was free. But it seemed like Wong Jing was so busy doing other stuff. Oh shit, I have an exploitation series. So let's make it again. But, you know, it, um, when we watch 2 again, especially 2, because there, there is some heinous stuff in there, it might be interesting to look at to see how much he gets away with doing two, uh, using 2B, because it feels yeah. like an exploitation movie, not a cleaned up version of uh, Rape by an Angel. And uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to look at Rape by an Angel 2, the uniform fan, and Rape by an Angel 3, sexual fantasy of the chief executive. Starring, mm-hmm. Alex, starring Alex Fong. Uh, oh, Jetpack jet Fong, I should say. <laughs> uh, there, there is no other in my world. And, and then, of course, you have Rape by an Angel 4, the Rapists Union. And finally, Rape by an Angel 5, the final judgment. <laughs> it's always something like that, isn't uh, it? Final judgment. Yes. The final nightmare. And it was kind of a final one. In, uh, that, that was in 2000. The other ones uh, were made in 1998. Two and three were 1998. The fourth was 1999. Mm. And the, probably the most distasteful of the movies, the fourth one, actually. Uh, the, the, you know, the rapists' union is a literal thing in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> It's wow. <laughs> they go out on picket lines and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, in, in some Taiwan exclusive scenes, maybe. But uh, it's not, not as far as I know in the Hong Kong uh, theatrical version. So turn to yeah. Taiwan for the, uh, for, for the union uh, picketing. So uh, there you go. We'll, uh, we'll be covering that. Maybe next episode we'll actually go back to the Tidal Theatre because we have prepped our Rock on Fire and Rebecca Tidal Theatre double bill. So... Uh, we were thinking of getting King Who onto that episode. Uh, I think it's more suitable when he wants to return. If he wants to return, we should do it for Tidy Whitey Theatre and the following movies because they focus on Charlie Show and Tidy Whitey's to a great extent. And I mean, yes. epic extent. And therefore, those movies are Devil of Rape and Hunting Evil Spirits. That will be King Who's return episode, I think. Uh, Kind of, uh, l- l- let's say there are movies where Charlie Cho have um, uh, out-of-body experiences, uh, you know, by own free will, just to uh, fuck, <laughs> essentially. And he walks around in his tidy whities while in spirit form, kind of. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Sounds amazing. And Devil of Rape isn't even fucking subtitled, but it's a fan fantastic movie it's one of the few unsubtitled movies that you can watch because it's batshit insane and hunting evil spirit is subtitled it's been a pretty good movie as well so that'll be king who's return episode or at least an episode he'll be on the title where the episode covering devil of rape and hunting evil spirit so talk about great titles eh? oh my gosh so much uh sleaze coming down the pipeline yeah almost so, taste it. yes sir so we will be tracking on uh, me and the great lord Joshua Regal. <laughs> you you you're becoming a scary character now. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this has been our rape and anal coverage and a, a pretty good discussion I think. Uh, considering you and I are shameless exploitation fans, we can provide actual discussion. Of course. In, in all seriousness, you know. So uh, discussion that did involve, you know, hey, look at Mark Chang's Shanks floppy dick. <laughs> it's flopping all over the uh, place. Can you see that? 
Five out of five. <laughs> End of the discussion. Credits. <laughs> right on. Uh, okay, so repetition from beginning of the episode, albeit in uh, faster form. Contact information. You've been listening to this week in Slees for your, you know, uh, you're going to atone for that someday. That you <laughs> you have been listening to this week in Slees, but uh, uh, we're all going to hell with you, of course. And uh, this is uh, part of the Podcast on Fire network. Our email, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Uh, you can uh, visit the forum, but not register on the forum anymore. Uh, but uh, you, you that have, uh, have access to the members-only archive there. On the website, we'll be doing bonus episodes every now and again. This Week in Sleeves will provide its own category, boner episodes. And uh, we should make up some uh, a silly intro to those, uh, to those shows. Actually involving, you know, <laughs> just because we're so immature about it. <laughs> And, and I will laugh every time I listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you playing? You know, you know if uh, if uh, your kid has you know handball in school, you know, please, hey dad, we played handball in school. I would laugh at that if I were that. You know, <laughs> handball. Ah! <laughs> Play a little it's, pocket pull too, son. <laughs> uh, it's still funny. <laughs> Mom, dad is doing his weird stuff again. Anyway, uh, we're on Facebook as well. Like our page, our fan page, facebook.com forward slash POF network. But the main discussion goes on at the, in the discussion group. So type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search box and ask to join and you'll be able to join. So uh, And check us out on Twitter as well, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Me, Slisa K, that is, do my writing on sogoodreviews.com. Mixture of category free of uh, Taiwan and Hong Kong horror of a particular era, as well as Taiwan cinema of a particular era, mixed in with ninjas as well, which is uh, the best mix ever. Taiwan yeah. and me- Taiwan meets ninjas. You know who could ask for more? And uh, that is also video reviewed on sleazykvideo.com, and I'm also on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. Check out the Podcast on Fire Network on iTunes. Rate and subscribe to us if you prefer listening to your podcasts via iTunes. But you can also do that via Stitcher. Stream the show on Stitcher. Available on Stitcher.com. Downloadable to your computer from there. But you can also download it to your various smartphones and iPads and tablets and what have you. And uh, if you want to add our shows, just type in Podcast on Fire Network and all shows will be able to be added individually. And uh, give us your URLs of your endeavors varyedcelluloid.net for my reviews and other such nonsense and then vcinemashow.com for the vcinema show podcast uh, check that out on iTunes Stitcher I think just, just get on it man <laughs> just fucking visit what are you waiting for what are you doing man stop being a dick just visit I can hear you from the other side you ain't subscribed yet what Drop your headphones in disgust, you know. Huh? If you like dick jokes, <laughs> <laughs> don't go to be <laughs> All right, I, I, I got a feeling I'm possibly going to corrupt you, so you, 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 you'll, you'll be in like two minds when you go on the cinema again. Is it here that I talk of dicks? Or is it the other one? I don't know anymore. Guys, I thought it was okay, but man, there really wasn't many rape scenes, so I don't know. Goodbye, Dragon. So, Man. Yeah. Mm. Does Dragon Inn have Goodbye Dragon Inn have Mark Chang's floppy dick somewhere? <laughs> didn't didn't Hello? In there. John? <laughs> Why are you not there anymore? <laughs> John's coming. Stan? <laughs> I'm alone. 
Oh, come alone. This weekend's lays Lord Joshua Regal style. Yeah, tiny whities. All right. Uh, okay, and shelflifeclothing.com, of course. Brian Kirby's uh, t-shirt line and uh, various uh, accessories that you can buy with your t-shirts. You can buy skate decks as well at shelflifeclothing.com with cool retro movie artwork and mashup movie artwork and, uh, and what have you. And, of course, the Caucasians uh, t-shirt, the hoodie, which is a great little item. Uh, I know King Who owns one. Yes, I, think he, I think he wears has worn it to uh, baseball games. He's attended, so. I think so. No. I, I've seen them in pictures of me uh, yes. at uh, at least in public. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> m- maybe not to uh, Mets games if that that is his team's uh, team in actuality. I don't know. I'm a hockey fan. I, you know, I like violence, so therefore I, I follow <laughs> hockey. <laughs> uh, anyway, this has been this week in Slays and the Rape by an Angel special special. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks very much for listening to our discussion and our immature rants and tangents as well. So. I've been your host, Lisa Kay, and with me was the great Lord Joshua. Regal. That's right, son. See you next time. kind of funny mm-hmm. uh this is you could probably cut this out but uh i sat there and uh, just looking you know trying to see if i find anything I, I searched uh simon yam once upon a time in china on google images and uh then there's uh king who sitting right next to simon on like, this, <laughs> on, like the third or fourth page of uh images <laughs> what was that represented yes <laughs> on google images nonetheless <laughs> exactly wow